Welcome to Ben Navarra's podcast with your host, Ben Navarra's. Thanks for coming in, man. I appreciate you also moving to, to one. Moving to one. Instead of 11. Oh. I ended up staying out a lot later than I was expecting. I, I didn't stay out. I just stayed up. I was here playing League of Legends. Nice. And got carried away with time. It was like 3 o'clock playing games. And I was like, I fucking go to bed. Yeah, whenever you texted me, or I saw that text in the morning at 3, I was like, I guess he went somewhere else with the people he was with. Nah, man. I just... Uh, I really... I get addicted to a lot of things. I mean, I, I just have an addictive personality. And that game is one of those things. It has... I mean, for, for years, has always been like a consistent thing I'll come back to and play with. If you need to move it um, over a little bit, get comfortable. I mean, we're going to be here for a little bit. Um, it's so simple, but I think so complex and it's engaging enough and then frustrated enough that I want to like continue to get good at it. And then every once in a while I have a, I have a new friend that plays. And so I play with my friend Adil and we're just, uh, playing ranked games talking shit about the other people and yeah what's it called again league of legends okay so i heard of it a thousand times but what is it so you have have we started yeah um i'm gonna get some water um you have seven oh man hold on so you have several different lanes um and then you have different responsibilities. And there's a specific name for the type of gameplay that it is, but I don't remember the, the what it's called. So, um, let's see. I want the screen to go dark. There you go. Um, you have five different players on each team. And you have a top lane, a middle lane, a bottom lane, which has two people, and a jungle that's spread um, throughout the map. So you have the responsibilities for each lane is, I guess it depends on the individual, but um, each player has specific abilities. And so you have, let's say, I don't know how many champions, you have like 100 champions. And every single champion has a different passive. They have and, and they have three different core abilities, and then they have one um, ultimate ability. And so the goal is to kill the team, take the towers, so you have, you have three towers in each lane, and then two towers at the main um, base where you respawn, and then a nexus, which the nexus is like where the the minions spawn out of. So you have minions and they're in the lane that you can get gold off of. And then, so you kill the minions, you kill the people for experience and money, same thing for the minions. And then you go back to the shop, you go buy new equipment, come back to the lane, 
and then go at it again. Go at it again. But now with more money, more weapons, and ideally more power. Right? So then, ideally, you're you're outpacing the other the other lane, and so it's just like constantly like. And there's also a lot of strategy. Even though you might have more like, um, you might have more kills. The other team could still have a better strategy where they have people coming in from like the middle lane to the bottom lane to help you out or the jungler's responsibility is to go to the lanes and help everybody and then take objectives inside of the jungle so you have a you have baron and rift and then you have um and so those are baron comes in later in the game and it's it's called baron buff and it's for um it, it boosts your abilities like all of them pretty much um, speed and recall and all those things um, and then you have the dragons and every dragon is a different um, what is it called every dragon is a different type I guess and so you have like a fire dragon that gives you more damage you have a wind dragon that gives you more speed uh, an earth dragon that does something else um, and so you have all of these different that's that the, the role of the jungler is to go to all these areas like secure those objectives um, and then help out the other lanes if they need help yeah that's pretty intense that's pretty intense it get it can get pretty detailed but but yeah that like all that explanation definitely makes me understand like you're not playing this game for 10 15 minutes like no <laughs> no which is which is sucks i i love it but at the same time you're sitting there sometimes in a game. I've been in games that are an hour long. Shit. Yeah. But I understand like the addictive part that you're talking about. That's probably one of the reasons I try not to play like any games because yeah, like I'll try to keep going, keep going, keep going, and you know, a lot of the times you just I don't have time for it, or it turns into like the I'm gonna go to sleep late every night because of it, which I already do with our phone. So it's not like I've solved that issue, but that's my excuse for not playing video games. But even then I went for like the the simple stuff. I went for FIFA games or just playing, you know, soccer all day, Call of Duty, just that's about it really. Like I never really went into those type of games, even though they definitely Definitely good. I think that even those are. I mean, they're, they're. I think they're equally complex, right? I, mean, I think those are also ex like Call of Duty was the shit back in the day. Like Call of Duty, um, like I think I got Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Okay, yeah, I started a little bit after that. Okay, but uh, I think I was doing the Black Ops too. I played uh, a little bit of Black Ops, but I don't remember a lot of it to be honest. Yeah, but. Same thing, like all of my friends used to play Modern Warfare, and I saw them, and I was like, no, I'll, I'll just watch because I'm going to get addicted to it. Um, Kudos to you for, like, recognizing that, and then yeah, still, like, not, I mean, it's hard for me to, to step away. It's like, I'm gonna, ah, just, I'll play a game or two, and then it turns to 3 a.m. in the morning, and I'm like, okay, I should probably go to bed. Did you play your whole life like since you were little you I've, remember been, playing? I've been playing games for a very long time i remember we got the ps1 when i was a kid and i mean uh, 
I wish I could tell you the age I was at. I don't know, maybe 10 or so whenever when it first came out. So whenever year that was. Yeah. And the Xbox after that and 360. And then I, I stopped playing once I got into college. And I, I spent more and more time in the gym, probably like my junior, senior year of high school. And I, I get out of the gym like 9, 10 o'clock, get home, and then I would do homework. And I was, I had this like, at that point, I had recognized that I did not take classes seriously the last two, three years, right? And so I'd really fucked around. And, and not even just like fucked, just didn't take it seriously. I know what you mean. And I was like, oh shit, wait, everyone's applying to college. <laughs> oh fuck. Like, yeah, I'm going to be that kid that didn't get in or that didn't even apply or I had no idea what I was where I was going to go why like I had no ambition like I had no like full outlook towards that next step like I knew it was just like gonna happen I didn't realize that I had to make it happen and so then that year I finally like stepped stepped it up and started doing more homework but even I'd still play games every once in a while you know yeah and it's so easy to be that person or just to not have any sort of path to college like it's so easy it's the easiest thing you can do because you know there's not a lot of at least in my point of view in my life you know there wasn't there is a lot of help out there don't get me wrong a lot a lot but it's like you said it's, it's up to you like and it's so easy at that age you got thousand other things you want to do to not do that but what do you what video game console do you have now I have the just laptop. Okay, you play on the computer. Yeah, play on the computer. Nice. I had a an Alienware laptop that I got for Christmas from my grandpa one year, yeah. and that thing lasted me until a couple of years ago. And it, I mean, it's it's it was slow, not doing too well. Yeah. Um, and finally, I bought. I mean, I bought this one and I bought another one, um, and I was kind of reluctant to to add the game, but I was like, ah, I want like. What the hell? And now here I am. Like, oh shit! Probably playing too much. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I always, in one way or another, we always had video games around us. Always, and it's actually even crazier now that I think about because, uh, let's see. Since I was like literally a baby, even again thinking about it right now with my dad's part of the family. They they would tell me how they used to make like arcade games like uh, you know like the big wooden structure thing with the big old TV in it and put the video game inside and people would put in their coins to play so even since then they made them yeah apparently my uncle because yeah just the things that they had they yeah they literally made them um, and they would put them like they they had a house like technically an extra house, like right next to their house. And this is where they, even back in the day, they would sell a lot of used clothes and stuff like that. So I guess part of their gig was doing this arcade thing. And yeah, they made them and people would come in, like kids would come in, play, pay so much to play for so much time. Even since then, then I, um, I remember having the Nintendo, dude. Like even back then, I remember having the Nintendo it was always there, but I never really played again. Like I was, 
I would much rather be out in the streets with kids playing whatever other game. But I remember playing Nintendo, Mario, the shooting game. Uh, then fast forward a little bit, we jumped into the PlayStation 1 era, and my parents bought like four, five, or six different PlayStation 1s, and they put them out in our patio. Uh, but also back in the day, this is Mexico, by the way. They used to sell, they call them chips. Hey, let us go get a chip on our on our console, which they just banned it or uh, made it not be able to happen, I think like five years ago. But basically back then you could put a chip in your video console and you can, you can buy like, uh, they're not fake games, but they... I don't know how to explain it. Basically, it's the, the game, but you can buy it for like 10 pesos, which is like a dollar. Like, you can buy any game. Wild. Just these little, what are, what are, like, what are they? Little chips? Yeah, they, that's what they used to call them, like chips. So it must literally be a chip. I just remember you would take them to somebody. They would work on them, give it to you back. You can go to like the markets that would pop up on the Tuesday, Thursday, depending on what neighborhood you live in. And there's like unlimited amount of games you can buy, even, you know, with the financial situation we were in, which was not great, but they were so cheap that you could buy any game again for like that much. That's crazy. It was wild. Like we had stacks of games. So kids, especially like older kids, like I must have been maybe six, five years old. And I remember seeing a lot of teenage kids. So for me, you know, those, those were big kids. And yeah, they would be there two, three hours just playing and they'll pay us. I don't remember how much, but a certain amount per time. Like you can rent 30 minute play, hour play, etc. And so we would have kids, kids in our patio just playing video games. So you guys were running, or they had like an arcade business? Like in their in, in their guest patio. house? In our, no, no, no. So their guest house was like, before I was born, the PlayStation part was like, when I was five, six, like in our front patio. In the front yard? Like in the front, like, like outside? Like, yeah, I call it patio because it was like, surrounded by concrete. It was like you where you park your car, but we, we never even parked our car there. It was just like the outside part of our house, but it was just concrete. There, there wasn't a lot of grass like in the part of town that I live in because it's a city. Like it's houses and houses and more houses. Like, are they close like this? They are literally touching each other. Like yeah. this wall right here, on the other side, it's the neighbor's house. Think of it, not necessarily like a hotel, but like a townhouse. Like that's the feel. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. Concrete count, like yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the PlayStation era. I think since then, I've just been like a PlayStation fan. So I always try to keep like PS2, PS3, the 64, Nintendo 64. I loved it. Classic. Yeah, I remember. And I always, I always talk about this. That I think it was a Christmas where I could have had a Nintendo 64 Pikachu edition. Or the GameCube, which was like, oh my god, it's the GameCube. Like, it just came out. And I went for the 64 Pikachu edition. 
I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I regretted it later. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I wish I had those GameCube games that everybody else is playing. But yeah, again, like I played it for a good while, but then I kind of just left it there to the side. I wish I would have kept it. I don't know what I did with it. I don't know if we sold it or we just got rid of it. I don't know. But yeah, since then, PS2s, the PSP. I don't know if you recall that. I, the, it was the handheld one. I never played it. I remember seeing people that had it. And I I did have handhelds. Like I had the Game Boy, mm-hmm. um, Game Boy Color, the Game Boy SD. <laughs> um, and... We would play them on road trips, like whenever we go to like Corpus Christi or we'd go to San Antonio or whatever. Um, we would have those little games and would keep us busy for as long as it would. But my brother, my brother loved those things. He played those like none other. Yeah. I liked them a little bit, but I wasn't as invested in them. Or like there would be a couple, like the Yu-Gi-Oh game. I loved the Yu-Gi-Oh game. Um, but I didn't really play a lot of handheld. So when that one came out, I remember seeing a lot of friends that had it, but I just... I didn't ask for it for Christmas, right? Like, I just, I'm, I'm, I was all right, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you. Because same thing here with the, I think it started with, like, Game Boy Color and all that stuff. Later on, DS. And, yeah, same thing. I I enjoyed, like, I my I have a, a few cousins. They love that stuff. And I was, sometimes they would let me play, and I enjoyed it. But it was like, all right, like, here you go. Thank you. I'm okay. But the PSP, Grand Theft Auto, oh my god, <laughs> that's by far probably the 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 longest game I've played. And same thing, it was road trip. It was we would go to Houston. This was now we're over here in the U.S. So then, can you give us a t- like kind of a timeline of uh, yeah. for people that don't know? So you, you yeah. you're in you're in Mexico, right? And so from you're born in Mexico, and then when when did you leave? All right, so I'm gonna take it back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I love that question, and my dad, I'm being a little sarcastic, where are you from? It's always like the long explanation of, born in Houston, raised in Mexico, but I'm from Bryan, Bryan, Texas. Uh, so born in Houston, like uh, one of those just generation that your parents from Mexico, they, uh, my mom came over here. Her family was already, you know, Established, I guess, in, in Houston. Uh, and my dad, like, just a few years. You know, they, they migrated also from where we're from. Where are y'all from? We're from San Luis Potosí, Mexico. Uh, San Luis Potosí, San Luis Potosí. So it's the city uh, and it's the capital of the state. So the state is called San Luis Potosí. The city is called San Luis Potosí. Nice. Yeah, it's like, I, I think of it like central Mexico. Like, think of the middle of Mexico. Like, that's where it's at. Pretty far south. Yeah. Um, you know, once you think about it, not that far. Especially when you're from Texas, where, you know, like, what do you make from here? No, I'll take that. Well, yeah, yeah. From here to the U.S.-Mexico uh, border, it's about the same distance as it is from the U.S. border to San Luis. That's pretty, I mean, it's a six-hour drive. I mean, oh, I yeah, think yeah. that's pretty far. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Personal. Yeah, just yeah. been sitting in the car for six hours fucking sucks. Yeah, that's true. And I guess because we did that trip so much, now to me it's like, eh, it's not that bad. No. But yeah, you're right. I, um, so so yeah. Central Mexico. Yeah, for sure. So born in Houston, uh, it 
I don't really know the, the full story just from the little things that I've heard. It must have been like a week or two. Like they literally just, we go back to Mexico. Like I was a, a baby, a kid. Um, go back to San Luis where we lived for, again, pretty much that time I was born till around eight. Now keep in mind also, again, uh, there's a lot of times, in the, especially summers, where we would come over here um, to Houston specifically, either for vacation. Um, apparently also, like there's times that we try to come over here and, and, and live over here. Like there's um, a lot of pictures of my older sister, like in kindergarten and, and stuff like that. Uh, but for one reason or another, we ended up back in San Luis. Uh, but again, so most of the time for sure, I would say, 85% from my born age to around eight, we live in, in San Luis. Uh, by around that time, I must have been eight, it was one of those, hey, we're gonna go on a summer vacation to, to Houston. You know, you're from Mexico, going to the US, it's like, heck yeah, like, hell yeah. Like, that's, that's where it's at, that's, you know, money, Freedom, like everything you see here and everything uh, good, it's like, yeah, why not? So we came over here uh, just like any other summer. And I recall my mom asking us, hey, who do y'all want to stay over here? So again, we're kids. We're like, hell yeah, like I want to live over here. Like, why not? And again, I don't know all the reasons behind it, but we ended up staying over here. That's crazy to be here for a vacation and be like, yeah, let's just go ahead and move. Yeah, and at that time I didn't catch it. It was, you know, just confused. You know, you're eight years old. So at that time I was excited. Time went by, school started, and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I miss my friends. Like, I miss my life over there. You know, it's just so different. Um, the way you said it was like, like, you kind of just like, the way you like even communicated that just right now was just kind of like, and then we just yeah I mean, we just kind of stayed and then that was it and I was like yeah you know you have to because that's, that's how crazy. it happened that's that's how it happened it was I left my life over there as a kid with all the fun stuff that you think about just just like that like no plan like hey you know this coming up summer this is gonna happen no it just it just happened. And uh, I yeah, I want to know so, why. I want to know why. Like, uh, that's, I, I think a lot of it probably had to do with my mom, and most of her family being in, in Houston. I think a lot of it had to do with that. That's just a theory, you know. I'll probably go ask them after this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because all her, her parents, siblings, except for one, there's four of them, except for one, he still lives in like Cancun or something. Which was funny because like months later, he ended up coming to Houston as well, and he's been living there since. Also, um, so yeah, we. I think I was in third grade. Yeah, I was in third grade. It was the summer before third grade started. I went to school third grade for semester, and again, uh, this time I knew uh, work related. We basically just. Financially, we're a little bit more stable because my dad found work, a job over here in Bryan, Texas, because he also had uh, a couple of siblings that were that had been, I don't know for how long, maybe 10, 15 years established in Bryan, Texas. 
which is you know an hour hour and a half drive and um he found a job over here so hey now we're gonna go to brian okay like we're we're used to moving by this point i guess like we we didn't mind it <laughs> but we did move a lot like a lot especially my sister uh but for example like second grade older um, or younger sister she's two years older than me okay i'm 30 she's 32 uh now um so yeah it was like for me second grade mexico half a third grade in houston then we came over to brian within like seven months i believe no i'm like within a, a year and a half we ended up, we're still here in Bryan, but we moved out to the country-ish, for sure. By that time, it was like country. Um, so we went to another school. We, we went to like five different schools, like in, I don't know, three years, four years. Damn, boy. Yeah, and we just kind of got used to it. Um, we just kind of got, you know, used to it. Are you and, speaking English at this point? Okay. Uh, yeah. I think I was blessed to be, to have, like, to pick up on knowledge quite a bit. Um, I was taking bilingual classes, of course, so I came over here not speaking any English. Like, I remember back in Houston, you know, when, when we got the news or when we talked about, hey, we're going to live here, uh, I was talking to my older cousins, and by, you know, they're only a year older or two years older. And because they spoke English and Spanish and hey, like, what are we going to do when we go to school? Like, we were thinking school is going to be like, you, you know, you're on your own, like speak English or like get out. Thankfully, not knowing at first, thankfully, it was bilingual classes. So everybody in your class, including your teacher, spoke Spanish. But it was going back to talking to my cousins. I would act like I would be nervous. Hey. What, what am I going to do if I need to go to the restroom? So we would practice those little things. Hey, like, how do you say, can I go to the restroom? Which I remember learning it and always saying bathroom because it was easier for me to pronounce. So I'm like, no, I'm not saying restroom. You know, that's still hard to pronounce. I'm sticking with bathroom. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we would practice little things like that. But so third grade, fourth grade, I already started picking up a lot. A lot of English, especially by reading, for some reason, uh, no way. In my mind, I was like fluent. Like, I was reading like at a pretty good level. Like, I'm talking about like the first Harry Potter books within a year. Damn. Yeah. Holy and shit! You picked up quick. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just I'm a little blessed, a lot blessed with with things like that. Um, and I was still stubborn though. I was very stubborn. My parents would, my teachers would tell me, hey, what are you doing in the bilingual class? Like, if you really want to pick up English, move to an all English class. Like, heck no, like, my roots are Mexican. Like, I got to stick with my people. Even at that age, I was thinking like that. Um, and yeah, fifth grade, it actually turned into like, hey, you can go to the school, which was a pretty nice school. Uh, so I was like a little excited because it was known to be like a nice school. And we went, tried to sign up, and they told my mom, hey, we don't have bilingual classes. My mom was like, okay, no problem. We, we can, you know, based on the feedback that we've gotten, we, we, he's going to be okay. 
no, no way. I'm not doing this. No, I'm taking it by. So I ended up going to a different school because of that. Uh, I loved it though. It was, it was uh, for people that are, that know the Bryan area. This was Johnson Johnson Elementary, which was also a really good school at that time. I don't know now. It may still be, but what school was it initially that you didn't go to? Uh, Mitchell, the one mm -hmm. in at Austin's Colony. The one that's right here. Yeah, I live now like two minutes from that school. Yeah, that's, that's one stubborn life. kid, and also life how how it comes back around. But I mean, yeah, that that's a, a like I I kind of feel I understand why to a degree when you said it was because you wanted to stick with your people, and part of me is a little. I can I I appreciate the fact that you were able to continue to practice that and commit to it like insanely. Yeah, it just so, it was so deep in my roots at that time, like, no, like, this is who you are, this is where you come from, you know, and it still is, it still is, of course, I'm a lot more mature and, and see the big picture now, but, yeah, it was definitely like, no, I'm, this is who I am, like, you know, almost like I'm cheating on, 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 on my own people and stuff like that, but yeah, so, then that was fifth grade and then pretty much middle school uh i just went all i, I could have kept bilingual but i that, at that time i'm you know started taking even at that started doing so if you were doing bilingual i don't know if it was like you couldn't take english or you had to take english and bilingual but i went to just regular classes and at that i started like on advanced english classes uh, and yeah since then since must have been nine or ten. Uh, I've been in Bryan ever since, so about twenty-two years now. Oh, damn, twenty-one. Was there was it difficult to understand the culture out in like? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think I had like this big wall, uh, just trying to oppose, you know, to the cultural way of living here. Again, you know, because especially at that age, you don't understand a lot of things. Uh, but yeah, it was like, no, this is who I am. Like, they always saw people that live here, doesn't matter on their color, whether they were white, black, or Mexican, or Chinese. I saw them as like, no, they think different than me, which they did technically because of their background, but it's is, is normal. But to me, I saw it like, no, I, I don't belong with these people, and it was always like that, but nothing like hardcore. It was, but it was always in the back of my mind. I, I have, a, there's a lot of times in, in school that I remember just sometimes even arguing with teachers, uh, especially like history classes. I have a lot of the times, I can think of like one example where, I think I was in middle school, and again, I was the type of like, no, still like Mexico is like better and we did this and we would talk about like the history of Texas and it's like, no, you guys took it from us. Like, you know, we were doing things better and I don't know, just little things like that, like history teachers telling, like I remember specifically starting talking about, you know, uh, 
people settling in Texas, becoming ranchers, cowboy stories. Uh, and, you know, the teachers would also point me out, like, jokingly poking at me, like, hey, you know, we were doing that. So I would say things like, okay, so what was it? Like, horses and cows and, like, cowboy boots. What do you guys think we learned that from? And me saying, I think it started with us. And just like poking stuff, you know, like that at teachers. Um, because yeah, I was I was pretty stubborn thinking that, you know. Almost like fighting back of like, no, you guys are not better. We're better. But now understanding it's like, dude, relax, like we're here. It can it can work with both people. I don't think one person is better than the other. The, the other people wouldn't exist without the other, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, you know, we can, not that I have a lot of knowledge on history, but it can go far back and keep going and have 24-hour conversation about it. But yeah, definitely goes back to that. I don't think anybody, I don't think any race is better than myself, than, than another different race. I think they're equal. Uh, I was listening to something, I think it was yesterday, uh, my mind just went blank, but it was something towards that of like, you know, don't, don't be suppressed, but don't think you're better than others, because, oh, that's, that's where I was going, um, I think, you know, a lot of people can, can pick up knowledge, a lot of people can learn, a lot of people, um, have the resources there it's just a matter of, of how you work with them but yeah so again now we're in Brian and it's I'm comfortable very comfortable where you went from I mean Houston is what like fourth largest I don't know largest or most populated something insane like in, that yeah in the US where we're from as well, it's a very decent sized uh, city. I don't know their population, but it's it's got to be at least a million. Like it's it, you know it's a it's a big city. I remember showing pictures, and it, I I just I don't know I have this 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 perception of of only you know, going across the border and and going to shop and everything was really close together, and I mean. We only really got to see the shops. We didn't really like go deep into the and see where people were were living, see like the residential areas. But I just imagine like, oh, this is what Mexico is like. This is like this is what it is throughout the thing, right? Um, but Mexico City is I think the number one, the largest, the most populated yeah. city in the world. Either one or two. I know. Must be, I don't know. If I think Beijing, Singapore or yeah, something like that. Like fighting, but you know the fact that you're. Like that's who you're not competing, but have to kind of compare yourself from. It's yeah, it's outrageous. But yeah, that's another thing. Uh, I think that's the number one reason why I don't travel a lot, but I love to travel. It's it opens up your mind so much to learning about human beings learning about different cultures even if you're literally not learning like 
physically picking up a book or going on those trips to learn about their culture, just the fact that you're surrounded with those people, the fact that you're seeing that happening, uh, whether it's a big city, a small town, you're out in the country, like you start learning a lot about humans. And it's, it to me is beautiful because it kind of, uh, it's just that, it makes you understand people. It makes you understand that you're really not that different from another person. Uh, you're really not. You can connect with so many, so many different types of cultures because you're ultimately going through a lot of the same stuff. All, I think human problems are human, or they're, they're human problems. They're not, you know, like specific race problems. They're just, everyone feels sadness. Everyone goes through struggle. Everyone, like everyone feels those same emotions. Mm -hmm. um, so Mexico, I wanted to just, cause I already Googled it. I wanted to, uh, sure. to it, Tokyo is the largest city in the world. Um, with a total of more than 38 million residents. Um, and then Mexico is, it looked like number two with 22 million. 22 million. Mm. In one city. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's crazy. Never mind, they're ranked number six. Sorry. Yeah, so 22. Mexico. Mexico is ranked, Mexico City is ranked six with 22,281,442. Yeah. And is that, again, like perspectives on, again, like different places. That of course, you know, we talk about our conversation a lot of the times it's Mexico, USA, Mexico, USA, just because of where we are geographically, like we're neighbors. Uh, but it's everywhere. Again, the little bit of other places that I've been to or the Mexico talk, hey, you're from Mexico. Oh, you must be from you know, dirt and villages and, and stuff like that. And again, yes, a lot of that for sure is true. Uh, but there's everything over there. Like, I remember, uh, again, going back to when I was little, moving to Bryan and people telling me, like, hey, no, you're from Mexico. Like, you guys don't even have this. You guys don't, like, technically where I was from had was a bigger place than, than Bryan itself, you know, so it's, it's Bryan is a small town, but there is a lot of things that we had in Mexico that we came to Bryan and we're like, you guys are a little behind, which is, you know, like, wow, stores. I, the big one I remember was us not having a Home Depot here and we had Home Depots in where I'm from. Of course, once you actually think about the store, it was very different, but it was things like that. You're like, no, nah, that's not true. So going back to like this in a little bit of other places, it's it's that like, huh, yeah, a lot of the main pop popular perspective of different countries, yes, it's true. But once you go there, you you learn that it's it's a whole different game. Like it's it's very different. It's and again, a lot of people are very similar to you. It's just talking to them a little bit, getting to to listen and then hear and then share perspectives. And I think people are are similar, but it's it's the the most 
um, what's the, I can't think of the word, but it, it's cliche. People are so different, but also so similar, right? Mm -hmm. we, well, we all share these emotions, but I think that the sequence of what happens in someone's life cha it changes them and, and nobody else would ever be able to experience what they've experienced in that order to make them into this specific individual they are today, Yeah. right? And I think that that's what's so cool about learning about specific people. It's like, we, you know, there's, you said so many different things and it was like, well, I, I want to know more about that. But then we're like, we go, 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 go. I'm like, well, I want, like, I, and everybody has those, I think, stories that I think in our minds, we, we just kind of like, eh, it is what it is. Um, but people are extremely complex and, we can put ourselves in people's situations because we know what sadness, happiness, loneliness. We know we know those those emotions, so we know how to relate with somebody. But then you you look at the the place that they're in. If I went to Morocco, and I was I don't know what I had expected with like I wasn't expecting much, but there was these ladies that would come down from the mountain, and they would with the, the things on their head with filled with fruits and vegetables they'd come down and they're freshly picked and they sell them on the in the market and everyone's coming dry and it was everyone was super kind and it seemed like a very small tight-knit community and i think you can like the difference in how the the community interacts i think is probably the the biggest difference i think i've been able to see um the the the, the structure i wish i could phrase it a little better but the, the structure of the community is, I think, very vastly different. We have a lot to learn from each other. I think if we were all so, if we were all too similar, then we wouldn't have any, any opportunity for growth, right? But if I can pick from, from here and here and here and then decide, okay, I like these three items about these regions that have allowed them to have success, then I can now adopt those things into my own life or my own community. And then I can hopefully continue to move forward, right? Like mm -hmm. we know that, like the freshly fit picked vegetables and things, right? Not not doing like these mass farm production style, uh, um, and we need it in America to, to support the population we have. Mm -hmm. um, but they 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 have this this farm to table idea, and it changes the the quality of the food that you're eating. It changes the, the taste, the the relationship with the food, and it like sitting around a dinner table. It's one of my favorite things to do, and I think I, I could be wrong, but in America, or at least in my life, most recently, it's kind of gone. And and like, but it's such something so meaningful, and something that I think a lot of like if, think of an Italian family that like they that is so deep in their culture, and like what it does for we we know with like blue zones, um, community is one of the biggest reasons that we are able to um, live long, live lo a long, healthy, prosperous life. Um, so I think that people are very different um, in, the, in the sequence of, of their life and, and the communities they live in and how that changes them. But I think on a human fundamental level, uh, we're, all, we're all just people. Yeah. Yeah, and it's picking up there a little bit. It's... To me, like that having dinner with your with your family it just goes back to the core, like just love family, like you know growing up like that, personally, I was lucky enough to to live that life and 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 it's that you have love for 
your immediate family, but that kind of what you learn is what you show, you know, what what comes out from you. And it's kind of what keeps the world in a more peaceful manner where you don't want to harm others because you, you care about them, whether, you know, it starts again with your immediate family, but that's, that's what you're going to, that's for the most part where you're going to give off to other people. Of course, there's always the examples of, you know, you get treated a certain way. Well then, yeah, that's out the window. I got to adjust to that because of danger, fear, whatever. But anyways, going back to that, I think it just kind of keeps growing from there. And yeah, the fact that, I don't know, we're losing it or not. Like, I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough uh, statistics and stuff like that. But it definitely feels like that. And going back again now more with cliche, like, hey, I don't want to say, but a lot of the time is that, you know, of a country, you know, of a culture because of the media because they tell us this because they tell us that and it's true partially again a lot of the stuff is true you can go to a certain part of the world and yeah it's going to be like that because you hear about it but you're going to see everything it's it's you know like again going back to the u.s mexico situation you know a lot of people think of mexico including myself i i sometimes think of it because again it's true but you think of like no it's dangerous you know people die people get killed people get shot yes it's true but it's also true in a lot of different parts of the world you go to a certain part of houston city it's gonna be i don't know if it's just as bad but you're going to hear the same stories. Hey, this person was shot. These people got killed because of drug issues. Because, you know, everything, in parentheses, bad with the world. But you can find that just about everywhere. Uh, and it's it, to me, it's just that. Like, just learning and knowing that, yes, a lot of this stuff, one more time, is true. But you got to remember that there's a lot more to it than just, like one side to the story um just just that again it's beautiful traveling because you get to learn about people i think the travel is better than the than the media i think that a hundred percent i've gotten to a point in my life where i'm in a position right now where i feel so overwhelmed by the amount of opposing ideas that I've almost shut down from all of it. And it's not knowing what information to to trust or to follow and what's the right what what's the right thing? Like what's what do I believe? Like what what yeah. where are you supposed to go? Like there's finding a reliable resource of information. It's so much that you know, I'm sitting here and thinking about it and, and like I think just now coming to that realization that it I've been I think that we are losing that sense of community because it's so fast and so much and all at once that it shuts people down. I mean it shuts me down. I don't know if that I mean that's 
obviously it's just unique. It could just be unique to me, but it shuts me out almost entirely. It's like you can you can be on social media and in, in two scrolls you can see do deadlifts, don't do deadlifts. Mm -hmm. This is why and this is why. And both of them are PhD research people. It's whatever information you want to know, whatever information you want to believe, you're going to find enough resources to believe in. Which is so sad. Like, that, I mean, I, I think that's what's the, the beauty about people and travel and uh, getting to know and, and make relationships. It's like, okay, this is real. Like, Mm -hmm. I get I, this. I I can I can get this. I can I, at least I can communicate. I can kind of figure this out. This seems real to me. All the other shit seems just like it's a money grab or it's it it's uh, for for some sort of like um what's the word um uh not power but uh some sort of position yeah, or like a financial gain either financial or um. Uh, what's um or social right? It's, it, like people want to be the popular guy, or they want to they want to look the way. And and I had definitely I, I've bought shirts that I was like, that's a cool fucking shirt, right? Mm -hmm. Part of it is like, do I just like the shirt, mm -hmm. or is it because I want to buy that like that brand, right? Um, yeah, I think sometimes sure. I'm definitely influenced by brands. I think we all are. That's what marketing does, right? Absolutely. But at the same time, I think I've also come to the time where it's just like. I can also like good brands. Like I, I, I remember reading one book that was um, The Magic of Thinking Big, I believe was the book. And one of the, maybe, maybe I think so. They were talking about buying it once, right? You, why buy the second, like why go the cheaper option? And like how many times I've bought in, um, a shittier brand of shirt, right? Mm -hmm. And it frays, it gets want like um, wanga or wangle, right? Wang, wangle or like loosened and like man, I should have just spent the extra five dollars, yeah, to get the better shirt. It you was get, gonna last. You get me. what you pay for. You get what you pay for. Most of the time. most of the time, <laughs> not always, right? There's good marketing, and then some people sell some shit that's like. It's not really worth what they say it's worth, right? Or like a Supreme shirt. I don't know how much Supreme shirts are. I just I, what I've heard is like three hundred bucks. I think it's like the resale value of brands of that nature, where they can they probably sell them like two hundred. Like you said, I don't know. Yeah. But it's you're not gonna find it at the store anymore. Now you're having to pay three, four hundred. That's where the big, bigger price difference comes from. It's crazy. Um, and so it's difficult, I think, in today's age to kind of understand all the extra. Like, it's so loud. It's, it's just, it's so much. And it's on your phone. It's right there. It's like, how often do you just, like, this? With, with you know? me, for sure, it happened, like, post-COVID. It was like, I got to know what's going on like it was non-stop whether it's a news channel finding different even some podcasts um yeah just trying to sort radio different radio like uh, itunes i started listening to npr a lot i don't know if you listen to that not really don't 
Yeah, uh, it was like I, I remember literally like googling what's a good radio to uh, have news that are up to date, and I just that was one of the first ones. So I was like, you know what, I'll start listening to it, and yeah, like to this day, I still listen to it. I try to not as much, but I do. Like sometimes I'm just at work and I'm letting the radio play and I'm catching some information. I watch podcasts, certain podcasts also to pick up on information. But uh, my brain is always, you know, because of the power of algorithm, it's always trying to find some sort of information. And yeah, it, it gets overwhelming. There's a lot of points. Like, I can think of a lot of different instances where I'm listening to a specific news story and I turn the radio off completely because I'm, it's just so freaking much, so, so much, and a lot of, yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot. And, so, I feel and it's weird that my body, my brain or whatever is telling me, hey, like, no, like, you need more, like, what? I now see like the weather so much as well and it's like dude like relax like you saw what the week is going to look like you don't need to re see it every every day like I'm at work sometimes I I click on the on the weather that's crazy because, cool but I know like I know how the, the is week it, is going to go is like, going to change from yesterday yeah, yeah. Like, like hey it might rain Wednesday well here I am on Tuesday well let's check what are the chances now like why? That's an interesting why. I mean, it's the power of the algorithm. Is the is the power of, from my understanding, the most intelligent minds right now in the world are working behind. I don't want to say just Apple or Google, but those are like you know the primary examples of. Oh yeah, no, this is how you keep them hooked, and it's working. It's. It's freaking working. Like, I can't put my phone. I've been telling myself for the past month, hey, put your phone down after a certain time. I can't. I cannot do it. I am. And it's scary. Hooked. It's scary. I am, like, just, it's it's a it's a safety to have, you know? Like, I, I went to Boomer and I go to the, the, the school right here, right there. There's, like, a little plot of land right behind the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll go throw the ball. And I won't leave my house without the phone. And I'm. A hundred yards away? I, I think 99% of the people, for sure in this country, are like that. I want to leave it. I think about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I can leave it. And I'm like, mm, gotta make sure I have my phone, just in case. You ever, for what? You ever driven off and you're just going to go eat or something? You're like, crap, my phone. I got to turn around. I have to turn around. And you turn around, go back to the house, get your phone. And that's how it is right now. And it's, to me, it's a little crazy once you start thinking about, like, like, it's so normal that we don't, most of the people, like, don't don't see anything wrong with it, like, at all. Like, if you, you know, chose random 20 people from the public, I don't know, you're at the mall and you just choose 20 random people. 20 out of 20 are going to have a phone in their pocket, in their purse. And, like, you, I bet even like teenage people, probably them. The younger more. and younger, man. Probably it's crazy. More, yeah. But yeah, 
Yeah, it's uh, just go out there, live, man, live. Don't forget that you can get a lot of information from books, from podcasts, from whatever. But once you're actually out there talking to people, you don't even have to talk to them. Just seeing them, visiting. You don't have to go to a whole different country. Just travel in your state, in your city. It's it feels good. It feels good. Talk to random people. I know it sounds weird, but it kind of like alleviates a lot of. Maybe I'm just projecting myself. Of course, I'm projecting myself, but it's your experience, and me, that's part of this. Right? Yeah, to me, that's how that's how it's worked. You know, I've spoken to a few different people from different places, and it almost gives some sort of like peace to me. Like I've again been in other places, and they treat me nice, and then I can see from their smiles, from their body language, that they enjoy talking to me because of where I'm from or whatever reason. And it's like, yeah, this feels good. This feels good. And, you know, now I, I know somebody from over here. Now I understand why they do stuff like this. Understanding probably is, is key right there. But yeah, here I am. Uh, that, uh, you know, knowing you, not from a long time, but the little bit that we've known each other, we've hung out and whatnot. I think it's one of the big ideas that we share that in one way or another kind of brings us close to each other. And it's that, you know, learning from other people. Uh, you know, some people, like I've told you before, use the, the word network with other people. I think that's kind of what maybe bring some sort of purpose to your life or at least gives a to me a positive feeling a positive meaning to life uh, that it kind of fulfills to me fulfills just part of my my legacy I guess just knowing different people talking to them connecting working with them it just feels good I think it I think that's the that's the ticket, you know? I think I always was, not always, but I, I feel that it was always, I had always been like, why does the person across the counter at HEB, why, why can I not make a connection? Like, why can't I not know them? Like, they're, a per they're not just a, a computer that's scanning my shit. They're a, a real person who, with a life and experiences and they're, uh, they're having emotions. They may have a good day. They might have a bad day. Like, hey man, how's it going? If they look down, hey, you good? You all right? Yeah. Like, just talk to somebody, and you 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 never know if what it's gonna turn into. I, I, like, if I was just that role that I was playing, and I just sold the house and walked away, we wouldn't have been here. Wouldn't be here. How many times that we just good conversation? good fulfilling times, good community. And that I think is so easy to overlook in the busyness of the world, right? Like it, I, that side versus now the management side, mm -hmm. it's go, go, go. And I think that's more of what fuels this, this production and, and, 
Um, that's the behind the scenes of it, I guess. But what I think really matters is the, you know, how's it going? You okay? All right. Yeah. It, it goes a long way. Yeah, it's, again, kind of one of those cliches, phrases, you know, make your life, but live your life. Snap out of it. I, I like what you said about if I just played my role, you know, we would be done with that process of our communication. And that's that, you know. No bad feelings or anything, but that that's that. like literally that's that. But if you know you, there's good vibes and you just want to open up, talk. Why not? Like snap out of it sometimes. You know, it's another phrase. Don't don't take life too serious. Don't nobody makes it out alive anyways. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> don't take it so seriously. I think that I. It depends on sometimes the the people that I communicate with. I was talking on the phone with somebody yesterday, and I was I could, I could feel myself like wanting to say what I really want to say, and then it's like okay, well hold on, like there has to be like I think that there has to be a professional boundary here. But then he's saying like, ah, eh, who gives a fuck? Like I don't really care about bullshit, and I don't like I don't really want to hear anybody's like. He's a very professional guy, mm-hmm. but the way that we communicate is very like lackadaisical. And so I'm like, I want to like push there and get there, but then I have this like this thing inside my mind where I'm like, I don't know if I if I should or if I can, you know, like, and I I don't know really what that is about, but I think I continue to to kind of explore that, and I'm not I'm not trying to play a role, but maybe not trying because I had a specific relationship with this individual, and mm-hmm. I'm not playing that specific role. Because it's at this point we're far beyond that relationship, but it's still this like box that I've kind of put around myself. For what reason? I I know exactly what you're saying, um, and I think part of it is just because that's just the way you are. I respect like like you said right now, uh, people that you know they don't have filters. They if this and if that and and so am I with you know with the with the right friend or with the right person like you know my whole language changes but uh, right now I'm thinking like work-wise you know customer talking to customers and yeah like this motherfucker and it doesn't bother you at all you just like kind of hold them back like uh you know I'm not gonna say those words even though it's, it's nothing unnatural like that's part of you know my language whenever i'm again with, with friends of mine um but yeah it's also like just the way you are like i don't need to maybe be like that uh but i think it's more because of who you are and, you know you, you it's all i don't know maybe it's like you're going against yourself also like that's what i think don't don't do that because now you're really trying to be like this person. Like you really, yeah, it's a, it's a good mental battle right there. I think. But I, I, yeah, I go through that for sure. It's a hell of a mental battle. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I want to consistently be like this guy right here, right? This, like, like if I could communicate, there's, there's people like, what, I, I think I, 
I fear the saying the wrong thing in the conversation and then the relationship dies. Yeah. And there was um, Mike Lukey who came on the podcast uh, a little while ago and he's at the gym and he said, you know, it's always, it's always the right time to say something because that person will tell you either they'll, they'll communicate to you either you're like this relationship is good and we're on the right track mm-hmm. or we're not and you're done. Yeah. And, and you've you've kind of filtered out the people that are going to be your ride or die or you're the people that you're going to roll with. Right. And I think that that is my. Like, I don't always practice that and I, I need to get better at just relaxing a little bit around people that I feel I can't or shouldn't um, that I might wrong to have some sort of power over me, maybe. Um, I think that. Like there's a guy at the at the university, and I love him. Just a wonderful human being has helped me more than anybody else in my life. In just to to talk, not even to just just to talk to, and to kind of guide me in the right direction and kind of figure out what 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 was, what was I doing here? Yeah. And he, he I remember there's times where I was like, I got to make sure I. I, I, I dress up or I, you know, got a shower walk, before. I, walk straight, say the right words. Yeah. Like, even physically, like, like kind of match his, his energy. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I understand what you're saying. A lot of the times I, I preach or I think of myself as, you know, some of my core values are, hey, it doesn't matter what authority what what position the, the person is in it's they're just like everybody else and i try i really do try to live by that but then i go back to the extent where you're telling me because you know i've had where i've met people and the people around that person you know hey you know this person like there's there's so much of a person because of this 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 and that and i'm just like well i understand that but to me, you know, it's, I just want to get to know the person. Like that, that's not gonna have a lot of uh, significance to like our relationship. Like, you know, you either vibe or don't vibe, whatever. But then I've talked about some people in that same way, and I'm like, well, no, this whether it's I think the big one is is that again whether it's authority or no, this person like makes this much money from doing whatever business that they're doing, and you're like, "Hey, no, stop out of that!" Like, why does that matter? You know, why does? That? Of course, there's things around it. Whether you are trying to do business with that person or not, yeah, that that matters a lot, a lot. But just in a personal, back to human being ways, like. Well, it doesn't matter, but then you fall into that game, uh, one way or another. I think, I think working at the last place it helped. Working at the country club was, it helped me realize that people are just people. Like, they're these people are doctors, attorneys, these very successful individuals, mm-hmm. and there were people that I really enjoyed. 
and there's people that we just you know we we never crossed paths we we know it was just it wasn't um a relationship for us um and it's like they're just people you just gotta humanize them yeah they're just people humanize them yeah for sure for sure but i think where i struggle is like with the guy at the university it's he's helped me so much like i feel like i have some sort of responsibility to to treat him with some respect and he's he has the ability to to help me get into school and so i put so much value in that individual and say well they're the ones like that's the reason he's the reason i got in it wasn't because of me it was because of him and so i'm like well he can make moves for me and so I feel like I have to continue to like be this guy for him. But I think that's just who he is. And I just am who I am. Yeah. And so just breaking out of that idea um, is definitely have to be a practice. For sure. But man, I, this is, I like this. I like this. By the way, I was just trying to right now say thank you for inviting me to do to do this because uh, you know it's always that we we talked about you know we I had bought some of some instruments to do something like this always been trying to do it uh, I actually started a little project uh, about a year ago maybe uh, where I try to have a little I still don't even know what it was but man and you just talked with parts of my family to kind of have a little family tour. I went as far as there was five people I wanted to talk to. I talked to three of them, recorded it and everything, and then I never got back to it. So it feels good to like see all this here, do what we're doing right now, because it brings back that fuel of like, hey, let's just do it. Just do it. And again, I've been watching a lot of people too, and they all say the same thing. Hey, the first things you do, you're gonna look back at later, hopefully if you keep doing them. You're gonna look back at it and be like, ugh, okay, that was me. Yeah, for sure. But like, the, you have to go through that. There's a comedian, I listen to a lot of Spanish people, but he, he says, you have to eat shit. You have to eat shit, and he means that by they have bad performances. They have, they go to places, I think Kevin Hart had the story of like doing comedy in, in strip clubs. This guy that I'm referring to doing comedy in, in, in places that are not for comedy, so people are just ignoring the, the shit out of them. And that's what he means by that. Hey, you have to use shit so that you you just experience it's like everything else it's like work you know you have your first days of work and you're like there's no way i'm gonna be putting up with this like this is too much like how am i gonna remember that next thing you know a month goes by two months go by and it just becomes kind of second nature there and it goes back to that again just want to thank you maybe it'll spark something up and where i can keep going from there and and see what i can learn from what you have here, probably after we're done, I'm gonna ask you, hey, you know, what, what programs are you using? Uh, I don't know, editing and 
things like that that hopefully I can I can go from there. So yeah. for sure, man. I'm happy to share. Thank you for coming on. Like I think I of course, and I, I appreciate you coming on, coming out here and being willing to do this. And I think every single one is so uniquely different. Mm-hmm. And it it really is an experience with each individual you get to sit and chat with. It's like kind of like how do how does this person communicate? And then you get a couple like you get I don't know let's say ten. Sometimes you, sometimes it's immediate. You connect and it's awesome. And then sometimes it's fifteen minutes in. Finally, either either I relax or that person relaxes, um, or like. I worked out earlier, so maybe I'm, I'm I have a high heart rate. I don't feel as relaxed. Uh, what is the environment like? Like all those little things that I continue to like. I tweet. This is the first one inside this room, and I fucking love this. I this the the lighting the the, the there's gonna be more work that's not done yet. I still need to add some of the the foam stuff at the top and a couple more sound blankets. But I like I don't really know what I'm doing, but. I'm figuring it out, and I think the what, more what adult knows what they're doing, not even kid. What adult knows what they're doing? Not very many. You know, they're figuring it out. Yeah, everyone's not nobody really, right? Everyone's just constantly trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think that even there's times where I feel like I know what I'm doing. Like I feel like I know how to bench. Right, right. right. I feel like I know how to deadlift, but then. You know, me, I feel like I'm retraining now. Like, I, I'm after all these years of lifting, I'm now finding new problems and new areas to work on. And, like, I'm looking at different areas of my form that I, that either have or haven't improved and why. And, and the more that I learn about the physiology and the more about learn about the, the, the training aspects of it, the, the programming aspects of it, Mm-hmm. Um, it influences the way I train, but then even just like being in my body, squatting, I'm like, man, this is a little bit weird, you know? Like, why does it feel weird? My my foot's a little too far out. I'm still not walking out like the best that I want to. Like, it's still a constant, constant practice. Yeah, and sometimes it's frustrating, but I'm I do it often enough that it, and I I like it enough to to continue to do it, and I think that this is that same thing, like. You go back to my first one, two, three podcasts. They sound like shit. They don't. They don't sound very good. I think. I think my my what I expected and what came out was vastly different. And I was like, oh man, that, that's not good. Um, and they're consistently getting better, but I'm also consistently investing in it. Right. I'm I'm buying new material. I, I'm. Uh, I bought better mics. I I got the program. I learned the program. I, I'm I'm like. I, try to go on YouTube and learn how can I edit the audio to make sure that it sounds the best that it can because I'm in somebody's ears like it, it, like somebody's like oh I listened to listen to it on the on the podcast or I listened to the podcast on the way to the plane on the way to the airport or while I was on the plane or while you know they're, they're driving or working out or you know whatever they're doing I'm in their ears like we're in their ears yeah that's you know it's intimate it's cra- it's crazy it is for sure. Uh, another thing I was gonna tell you too, um, you know, you had shared like a link to to some of your videos, and I had I had listened to some, but just right now too, like I was like, 
oh my god, you know, what am I gonna, what should I do? What are we gonna talk about? What should I expect? Because I'm also on that perspective of like, what if I do something like that? Like, how can I prepare myself? So, what did I do about, I don't know, two, three hours ago? You know what? I'm going to work out a little bit. Put on your podcast. Click on different ones. Times two speed. And just listen to a little bit of their conversation. So I can kind of have an idea of, of what to expect. So even then, like, I was learning on, on kind of like, which is really cool, by the way, you... Like you said, you don't know what to expect from people. I understand that because I saw that you have like really just people of all realms of, of life. Uh, like I saw a few there. It was like talking with Dr. This and business owner this. And I'm like, what am I going to bring to this conversation? Like almost like belittling myself. Like, you know, again, what am I going to bring to the conversation? And then I was on my way over here, and I was like, no, let me listen to to another one. And I was like, no, put on some music, roll the windows down. You're just going to go talk as if you were meeting Ben, you know, uh, for dinner or whatnot. I rolled the windows down, just playing some music, pretty loud music, and just relax. And, yeah, you know, we started the conversation and I think it was like just a smooth conversation because we you know we just have a little bit of, of past uh, references and, and just picked up the conversation from there so no definitely this is a lot more relaxed and enjoyable than what I was thinking two or three hours ago oh shit what am I what am I gonna say that was the biggest thing I think that's most people in most areas of their of their life. I think I think it's we always make things like bigger than what they're supposed to be. Like mm-hmm. I, starting the podcast, I was like, "Well, I can't do that. I don't have to do editing." Yeah. Why well, I need? What are to, people gonna think? What are people gonna think? Like what? Like how do? Like how do I? I don't know how to get started, so I'm not gonna start. Or like I think I think I need to buy like ten thousand dollars worth of equipment, so plus I don't have ten thousand dollars, I'm not gonna. I can't do it. It's like no, you can. Do it pretty cheaply, like. So that was another thing, a little advice I picked up that I haven't done myself, but that I picked up from another podcast I watched. And again, a lot of them are in Spanish. It's don't overbuy or don't buy stuff that is so sophisticated, because you're. It's gonna be worse for you. It's gonna be worse for you. And I thought I had bought some simple stuff myself, and here I was like what in the world is this cable like that how am i gonna i went and bought a macbook and i kind of regret it because the only places i use computers would be work but everything there it's windows or i think that's what it's called windows whatever it's they're not apple and i bought it thinking like oh this is what everybody uses it's it's got to be the best thing and it, it might be but my my example now or at that time was oh crap like i don't know like this is not you know control b or pace whatever like just little things like that that also kind of like 
put some water on my feel of wanting to do something to like dreading the laptop, dreading it. Even my wife said it. She's like, even at that, like, why did you get a laptop? We, you could have bought a desktop where you had a mouse and the keyboard was bigger. And she's right. Like, I should have done that. But I thought, no, like, everybody that does a podcast has podcast has a, a notepad, uh, a MacBook, I'm sorry, next to them. That's got to be it. And again, it might be, but I kind of, like, shot myself in the foot there because it kind of took me back three steps. Just now, like, I get on the computer. Like, I don't need it, but I get on it so that I can start kind of messing with it more. Googling, hey, what are the you know quick commands and stuff like that? And I'm starting just now to like, oh, it was like that. Oh, it was two fingers on the whatever it's called. Like, oh, that's how you scroll down quicker. And my wife gets on it and she hates it. She's like, ah, you see, that's I'm not used to this. Like, why why did you get this? And it's not like you know, it's the most expensive part of what I had to buy. And I shot a little bit too high for for my needs for my knowledge, but I, I think, think it's just part of, and I think it's I'm catching up a little bit, and it's just a hurdle that I put on myself. But in the long run, I think it's gonna it's gonna be pretty good. I think it's the same thing as that 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 comedian you're saying you get to eat shit. There's gonna be constant obstacles that are gonna like I I started this like I think almost two years ago. Mm-hmm. Nice. And yes and no, <laughs> right? Understanding that at the very beginning, I, like the immediate obstacle of, I don't know if I can do this. I can afford it. And then I finally found, I had a friend who kind of recommended some stuff and some free stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. Got the free stuff. I had a laptop, done. And then I was like, well, now I need to do the room. And then I was like, well, I'll have the stuff in the room. Stop. Nah, you, it's crazy what they pick up. It's, I'll edit it out later. Um, uh, or, or I think I, neither of us have eaten. I haven't eaten all day. I, I eat breakfast. I nice. put some eggs and ham. Yeah, we ate all day. I had some tacos last night that messed me up. Yeah. Not good. No. Dude, yeah, I was feeling so... I hate we off topic now, but I ate so bad earlier yesterday that when I was out at night, I was like, no, give me some a salad and some salmon. It was alright. And I poured six alcoholic beverages that kind of, but hey, at least it's not alcohol and wings for tonight. It's yeah. just alcohol and something. <laughs> just something one of the best. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Yeah, going back. Sorry. No, you're good. I, mean, I, I, I do that constantly. Um, like, we're always going to constantly have the obstacle and you know so started two years ago or so and it was one thing after another that i continued to say like oh i can't do that i can't do that and and the i think the if the more the fact that it continued to come back to it it's 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 like it's snowballing it was a very small role right and i could have stopped it I could have said, okay, yeah, that's it. Like, too much. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, Kick in. it's like, all right, well, still thinking about it. Still think, like, all right, let's, let's just go ahead and see, like, what it costs or what it's going to do or what it's going to look like. I did the same thing with the MacBook. I was like, 
look at I look at I think it's in any profession. What are the pros doing? If that's the if that's the level that I want to get to, how do I get there? Yeah. What mics are they buying? What this are they buying? Do I need the thousand dollar mic? No. Right? I can get a good quality mic for something that's the same brand, a little bit more affordable. But who knows? Maybe in two, three years, we're actually maybe you know I can I can do that. Then I'll do that. But I don't I don't need that right now. And even this is a step up. I learned what like these cables were, and um, I'm realizing eh, I kind of want longer cables. I'm gonna go out and buy new cables, right? Um, and then the the MacBook. I was like, but the guys who are doing it are using the MacBooks. Okay, well there has to be something here, right? The simplicity of it must mean that there's something here. I don't know anything about MacBooks, but or about iOS. But you know what? I can I can learn. Right. Got it. Plugged it in, and now it connects with my phone. It getting all the pictures, and and it was uncomfortable, but it's like just uncomfortable. Just sure. do it. Yeah. Just do it. Like it's gonna suck. Like it's like you, you gotta just saying you gotta eat shit. I think another really good one is like you gotta crawl before you can walk before you can run. Mm-hmm. The first squat I ever did wasn't a pretty squat. Almost can guarantee it. Or maybe as like a as a child, right? When I'm squatting, we have the best mobility of our life. But as a under under a barbell, I can guarantee you my first while wasn't the prettiest. My go back now, my first podcast, not the prettiest. But this, this is something I'm proud to put to put out. Is it the best? I don't know. It's my best so far. And the next one, it's going to be better. You got to be more prepared. And then it's just like this steamroll that continues and continues and continues. And I think that that it's the same for every area of our life. If if you start off with I and I think the opposite, right? Like one drink a night. Two drinks a night. Three drinks a night. Four. And then it rolls and rolls and rolls and you realize, holy shit, I've been I've been drinking every single day for the last year. Yeah. And I mean I can raise my hand and say that that was me. I don't know about every single day, but right about. Yeah. You know? And anything that you give a little bit of energy towards will steamroll into something that I don't know that we always anticipate or expect. I think rarely. I never thought that I would get a master's. I never thought I'd go to school. I never thought that, you know, I was just doing something. Right. And then got that. And I got this one. And I'm looking for another one. Like, is it the right thing? I don't know. Yeah, so I was saying earlier, like, what adult knows what they're supposed to be doing? Just, just enjoy it. Yeah, just kind of again, kind of connect everything there. It's another thing was like, why, why would I do something like a podcast? And I got for a second, it was like, you know, I wanted to be watched by so many people, and I want to make money out of it. And it's like, no, dude, stop! Like, you're going the wrong way about it. That's would that work? Maybe. Would it maybe have me doing things that I wasn't, that weren't going to be me? Maybe. So, hey, just just stop. Stop. 
Like it, enjoy the part of it. Enjoy the the conversation pieces. Enjoy the the art in one way or another. Sorry. And it's gonna tell you where where it's gonna take you. Whether you know, yeah, you make money out of it. Whether you make different connections out of it, different friends out of it. Whatever it is, like it's gonna tell you. You're you you're you're way ahead of yourself thinking like that. So that was one obstacle. Another one was think or is thinking, what are people gonna think about it? Like, oh he's just that one out of five people that are trying to do a podcast right now. And it's like, yeah, sure, true. Like that I wanna do it. Why why is that gonna stop me? And it's stopping me. Uh, back to again too much too much um instruments to work with so it's like the more you think about it the more infinite amount of bumps that you're going to put on that on that road for you to get it done so again hey just do it and and see where it goes from there if, if you really want to do it because you think you're going to enjoy it start with that start with that and, and see how you know what am i going to tell you that you've actually doing it compared to me but at compared to kind of to like work or just life you know you start doing it and you start learning the kind of feedback that you have from from the person the kind of people that you're gonna get um like you said it right now you, you know it takes 10 15 minutes to, for people to get comfortable uh some people just can speak no problem whenever there's a microphone in front of them and then there's other people that I'm sure are the opposite. You can let this go, have a regular conversation with them, so smooth, everything you know, perfect. Same person, same conversation. You put on headphones and the microphone, and now they're, you know, so tight. And, you know, that's because that's just the way they are. Another speed bump I'm thinking about is that I have issues. Um, enunciating a lot of words like I, I know that I it's been a thing I thought about it earlier whenever you're like hey did you speak English I did but I also again going back to I read it a lot better because in my mind it was a lot easier so I try to just stay like that and not practice it as much but I've told you like there's a lot of times that I'm talking to people um, and I'm with my wife and people will argue, ask my wife, hey, what did he just say? Not because like, you know, I wasn't speaking English just because I mumble so much and my wife is so used to it that she, she tells the person. So that's another thing of like, ah, you know, I'm going to sound like I'm mumbling a lot, but hey, just do it. Next time you're gonna listen to yourself, it's gonna maybe not sound as good as you wanted it to, but now you have an idea of like, okay, like this is where I'm at. Like this is what you have to work with. That's what the you, ticket. You wanna drop it? Sure, drop it. You don't have to keep doing it. You think you can get better? Hey, keep going. You think it's gonna stay the same and still work? Do that. You know, so it's kinda like, it's your mind going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But if you don't do it, 
which is what I've put off for, I think, about a, a year now, it's always like, ah, coulda, shoulda, woulda. But it's good to, again, see it, where I'm like, damn, let's, let's try this again. I think you said a lot of really good points, and I think ultimately it's it's practice, 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 practice. And I was, and I'm still not the best with my ums, my ahs, my, but I've spent quite a bit of time that I haven't posted, that I've recorded just sitting in the room, just talking, just talking, just practice, practice, practice. And I don't know if I'll ever post them, probably not, but it makes me better now. And so I hope that whenever somebody comes here and they sit and we chat and it's something that they feel a level of comfort that I have that they're like, oh, okay, like I can be comfortable too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's another little advice that stuck in my head. Uh, and it was like, yes, the person that you're bringing in has a lot to do with the conversation piece. But it's also like you as the, what do you call it, the host, as the host, thank you, that is going to make it also like the genuine part of the conversation, whether it's your questions, your feedback, your whatever it is that you're giving, like that's. That's a big part of it. So it's not just about the different kind of people you bring in, but what are you also putting in as well? Yeah. But yeah, going back, I got a, a little story there with like public speaking. I remember like hearing about debate classes and stuff like that and, and thinking like, well, that's fucking stupid. Like, why would you want to take a class like that? Like, what use is that in, in this world? Little did uh, you know. I was like, <laughs> and I was I was old, like I was in high school and thinking that. And that's when debate is usually about high school. Yeah, I must have been like a sophomore or something. And I was like, those people are weird. And now I'm like, man, like I wish I could have been in that class. Going back to the story I was going to say. So. Do you mind before that story if I go to the restroom real quick? Not at all.
floodgates. Yeah, man. Gotta get all the messages caught up. Yeah. Not that many, but. How long have we been going at it? We have an hour 38. Yeah, it's pretty wild, right? Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and yeah, again, I always see that part of that episode where they ask that question, and they're like, yeah, an hour. They're like, what? It feels like 15 minutes. And yeah, it feels like we've only talked for like 20, 30 minutes. Nice. Um, so yeah, now we're just going to say, had the story of, what was it? Ah, yeah, so public speaking and stuff like that. So, there's a, I was at a new job, and to be honest, like, I didn't really know, like, all the different, I guess, job duties that that job had to do with that position and whatnot. So, they're like, hey, by the way, we also sometimes have trainings, and we got to go out, and talk to you know the employees of different companies and by this companies it was it was all over the place uh, it was a lot of construction there was some uh, oil industry uh, fabrication all it's all over the place but it was like oh crap what have I gotten myself into you know like that typical hey you're in front of all the employees and you're talking to everybody so you got to keep them you know on their toes so i started and within like a month the the company just employee wise got into a position where like the guys that they had to do the trainings were caught up in some other stuff and there's a training that needed to be done and it was like hey alex you're up. It's like, no, like, no, I'm not nowhere near ready for that. Cause I really wasn't like, there was other 
things that we had to do and I, I was you know doing those things instead of for now learning to do the training part but again long story short hey you're gonna have to do it you got a room full of hispanic people you got to keep them get keep them one entertained and two like give them the knowledge of this certain topics for a full day and it was like there's no way there's no freaking way like i'm gonna be able to do that and on top of it it was like everybody really is busy like you're going on your own here's you know your projector your computer your whatever it was good luck yeah and i'll be there i'll try to make it because you know the person that would overwatch me they were also busy in meetings and whatnot so hey i'll I'll be there try to be there around lunch like halfway through oh well here i go you know try to read up as much info as possible whatever so i show up start getting my things ready and it was that like started talking I'm not gonna lie, it, I think it does help me a lot with Hispanic people. Uh, one, because a lot of those meetings that we have, the Hispanic people, they're used to people talking to them in English. So they're like, eh, I'm just here because I have to be here. And in a way it's true, even if it was Hispanic, like they have to be there. But the fact that they see that they can actually speak up and have their voices heard that definitely helped me out a lot but it was that i started going at it at first yeah i was like shaky i don't remember but probably my voice was shaky within like 20 minutes i was like settled in and i'm like okay this is not bad at all like at all Next thing you know, time goes by, we're, I think it's going rather smooth for what I was thinking it was going to be. The guy shows up midday around, he's supposed to take over because there's something for him to do. He just stay there, set in, stay quiet. It was like a... We just looked at each other's eyes, went back, kept going, finished the whole day. And he's like, dude, have you done this before? Said, no. First time ever doing something like this. All right. And yeah, next thing you know, it was almost on a daily basis, speaking up in front of people. And that was a really nice gig because of the... I always, definitely with all my jobs that I've had, there's always a lot of good things that that you can pick up from. But that's definitely probably the top best gig because of the experience of doing something like this. You know, one morning I was speaking to labor hands, not that they're less of people it's just like the kind of people they were talking to is what i'm referring to and the next not enough two hours later you're talking to like the business owners 
and then you're talking to the people behind the computers and then you're going back to the labor force but now it's not construction now you're i don't know also work and all of that definitely helped me out a lot and i think it's going to help me with something like this where i can or traveling where you have an understanding of like how people are and how people think and what they're going to say and all these things again my main point i guess i'm trying to make is going back to the same thing of you know you're going to learn something from everybody it doesn't matter their position just get to know the person and you'll 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 have a lot of lessons that you can keep from them it sounds like also get to know yourself a little bit now from that story it sounds like you know you put yourself in a new position and it's less about learning about as the speaker in those scenarios you weren't learning about them nearly as much as you were learning about yourself you, I mean, you didn't think that you were gonna be able to do it to begin with mm-hmm. and then you realize oh shit I, maybe I have a I have a knack here to the point where you decided you were gonna do the podcast like you felt confident enough in your skills and that's having that job which was not that long ago is where I started telling myself like Try it, dude. Try it. Why not? So yeah, for sure. And yeah, now you say that, for sure, you learn about yourself more and more and more. I think that yes, people uh, have a, a moderate change of of opinion. I think we're just a a different perspective a little bit, just based off of what you said. It's. I think you learn less. I think that people are not so similar, like I said earlier, in their in their backgrounds and their in the unique lives that they lived. They are similar in that emotions are emotions, right? And they're subjective and so sadness is sadness, happiness is happiness. But mm-hmm. Kind of like their character. You're, I feel like you learn. I think if you're looking for people to be the same and you know what to expect or you think that you know what they're going to say, that it ruins it almost. <laughs> yeah. Because then you're looking for, you have an expectation of how the conversation's going to go. You have an expectation of who this person is, but in reality, I mean, you don't. You don't know. Nobody knows. We just, just you know, we talked about the level. Nobody really knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. I just had dinner with a couple of coworkers, and it was like, you know, I never really went out with them, and for the two hours that were there, we, it was like. I don't want to say pointless, but it was like, we were just saying the most stupidest, idiotic things you can think about. But I left and I was like, 
man, that was a nice, that was a nice dinner. Like, it was just, like, legit, stupid, just childish comments. We were making jokes, but laughing, enjoying the moment. And it was like, that felt good. Like, we didn't talk about shit, but that felt good. I just, I had a good time. It feels good to disconnect at times, you know? Yeah. Not having an expectation of what we're going to talk about, you know? Like, I think that people continue to ask me, like, hey, can you give me, like, a list of things to talk about <laughs> when you when I come on? And I'm like, I kind of just want to say no a little bit. Like, no, nah, it's okay. Just, like, come as, come as you are. Yeah. We'll talk about it, and we'll figure it out as the time goes. Like, I'm, I have enough curiosity already that will fuel the the question. You can make it, yeah, you just pour it in there, but... Um, that you just got you just got to be you like you talk about what 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 are you going to bring to the table like you're trying to like looking at other people and, and kind of comparing yourself to these other individuals exactly. it's like you bring you you bring all your life experiences you know like yeah. there's even if this if, it, if it's one person that ever hears this even if it's mom dad somebody mm-hmm they get to look a little bit more at who you are, you know, and they get to learn something. And maybe they, maybe there's somebody that doesn't know any either of us, but they get to hear a little, a little nugget and like, oh shit, connect. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. And there's so many different people with so many different experiences that there's so much to learn. It's it's beautiful. It's inter- It's it's complex. It's overwhelming. It's I think I think that I think the phone is overwhelming, but this doesn't feel as overwhelming. This seems much. It, it feels calmer. It feels like you know we there's there's not a there's not a timeline on when we come to these realizations. But if you say something, and it's like oh yeah, that just like it's uh, made me connect these two points. How do you say this? I was gonna pronounce it wrong, but they, thera- therapeutic. Yeah, there you go. Therapeutic. Um, therapeutic. Yeah, there you it's go. One of those words that even now it's hard for me to pronounce. Therapeutic. I think that people hear and then automatically, or they're so quick to make a judgment on the fact that somebody can't pronounce the thing correctly. But I forgot the percentage, but most. English books, most written books in the English language, are at like a fifth grade level. What? So, even native English speakers, mm-hmm. we don't know English very well. There's a there's a small number of of vocabulary that we actually use, and then you you look at a an, a, an English a scientific word. Mm-hmm. How many people can actually pronounce that? And then so. People are so quick to make a judgment with somebody who can't speak, who, who can't say a, a, a quote-unquote common word in in the language that they speak, but they know two languages. Like Right. Dude, and that's another thing that I've thought about. Making some episodes in Spanish, for sure. Like, whether it's the... The person that's coming in because they only speak Spanish or because they want to probably keep it in Spanish. Even, you know, like there's so many people nowadays that know both languages. 
that I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like, I want to do a next play like that as well. Uh, but yeah, it, now I'm going to turn it around a little bit where, you know, we're talking about just speak of whatever as the conversation flows. But again, I want to turn it around a little bit and see if we could talk about sports a little bit. Because I know you have you know, quite a bit of background on that. For sure. And I think I have a little bit as well. You have quite a bit as well. Yeah. So, and I genuinely also want to know, like, just ask me. How, yeah. How did sports come into your your life? My teeth. Um. So, I. My relationship with sports. Competitive sports didn't start until I guess I, I noticed it very early on. I started working out in the gym when I was pretty young. If if I remember correctly, my dad said when I was about five years old, he would take me to the gym with him. No kidding. And I would do whatever he would yeah, tell me to do. Yeah, but you were in the gym. But I grew up in the gym. So you saw your sorry. I'm not trying to cut you off. No, no, no. So you saw your dad doing that. Saw my dad. Um, always he, we, we were blessed enough grateful my grandfather had built a a full gym that was attached to his house nice and so the way we it was kind of like a, a little compound where my backyard connected to my uncle's backyard that connected to my grandpa's backyard so it was like a little sidewalk and we all had gates between the, between the houses, so like there was some disconnection, mm -hmm. but we were close enough that you know I could just go take the key, go to grandma's house, go take her, go take her dinner, or you know, go or go pick up this from from her house, or go take this, and you just grab the key and you go through the gates, take the dogs, and you know you just you, it was right there, a couple minute walk. I missed that. I I I now that I think more that I like sit in that moment and think about it. How beautiful that is. That's cool. I agree a hundred percent because remember I told you our houses in Mexico were what did you call them? Not condos, um, but um, townhomes. Like townhomes. So it was pretty much that, except they were on the block behind us. But our back wall was also the back wall of my uh, uncle's house. So yeah, you couldn't just. Well, I guess you could climb over, but you have to walk around the block, which is legit like 10 houses down and then you come back around. Uh, but that was my uncle's house, that extra house I was telling you about where they like sold uh, clothes and rented out the arcade and stuff. It was right next to his house. So it was like behind our house to the right or left, whatever. And then my grandma's house was in front of my uncle's house like literally across the road like there's a road where cars are driving by and then that's my grandma's house like we were also right there it's like the right coolest there. thing dude yeah. it, it's a luxury that i mean i, I don't have now you know my, my parents live I don't, I don't have any family here you know like yeah. everyone's everyone's down home uh, and so it we would we would walk over and he had built that gym and so it was like treadmills the whole thing and I that's that's where it started and then I 
got into I think by that, you know, like I don't know how old we were, like seven or eight, whenever you're like second, third, fourth grade, mm-hmm. there were the the killer bees is what they were called. Our 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 city was like big on football. It's always like the, it's, that was the focus. If you drove around Elsa on a Friday night, nobody was open. Everybody was at like ev- the streets were empty. Everyone's at the game. You it was that. Friday night lights. Friday lights. night lights, man. It was okay. it was insane how much everyone loved football, mm-hmm. and so they're the yellow jackets, and so the killer bees were the um, what do you call them? Like when you're when uh, you're like in fourth grade, it's like pee wee pee wee football. Okay, and I all the popular guys, all the all the cool guys, uh, they were all in the killer bees. And I was I all so bad wanted to like be involved with sports at that point, yeah. but I didn't I don't I don't think I understood one that my parents didn't have the time, and two probably didn't have the funds, but I just I was so sad and like would ask I felt like I if I look back I felt like I asked a lot, um, but it was always a no and I could never understood why. And finally, I think they were like, you have to focus on your school. And, and, by the time, and once you get to seventh grade, then you have earned the, the ability to, to play sport if you can keep your grades up. And so in the meantime, I did, I danced, I did Pocoico. So I, I, it was like, I guess my, it was the option that was free. Mm-hmm. And it was at the school, so it could get picked up there. And it was still community-based, and it was a sort of competition, but it was much more of an individual competition where they were like teaching us the 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 the, the moves, and then you practice and practice and practice, and then you go and perform. So we used to do performances around the town or whatever. Nice. Um, and we went to one time. We went to San Antonio, and we did a performance in San Antonio. Ooh. Yeah, that's probably like like top notch. Political. We were pretty good. Like yeah. we were like probably the best that schools had ever had ever had. Um, oh, we went to, to the university and we danced with the university team. Uh, we danced, yeah, and then San Antonio. We we, we were a traveling yeah. Pocorico team. Nice. Um, and so I I was I I I guess that was like part of like my obsession with with things and just like uh, competition comp- probably competition. But it was it wasn't. It was much more individual than it was as a like as a group as a, as a as a as a sport group because in you know like in football if the defensive end misses the tackle then the entire team eats shit right mm-hmm. um, I guess I guess the same thing with with Pocorico as well right but if I was able to get my steps great then you could hear them. And then you can hear the people that are doing them well and the people that aren't. You can point them out. And so I was like always obsessed with like making them on key, on point. And um, as long as, and so I, I guess it just like continued this idea within myself. Like if I focus on what I'm doing right here and make myself better, then I'm going to get better. And then hopefully the, the, like it'll influence the people around you. Like it, it forces them to get better. Like if I get better, then the next the person next to me is gonna sound like they're off, so they need to get better. And if they can't hang, then they're out, right? Or they're to the back, or whatever it may be. Um, but I think if and so, if I get better, then they're gonna get better. 
Yeah. So uh, I got into Pocortico, and then seventh grade, I got into football, and then still lifting the entire time. Loved that more than anything else. I mean, I, I deadlifted, or uh, hex bar deadlifted 405 in seventh grade, and it was the coolest fucking thing, because I couldn't bench for shit. Um, I, again, that, that, that same group of Peewee guys, they were uh, now the, the A team, and I was B team. And um, they, it was like the head football guy, the topic guy at school, whatever, the, those guys are over there benching like 185. And I was like, damn, like I'm, I'm over here like 95 pounds on my bench. Yeah. But just kept consistent with it. And then um, by the time we were in high school, I mean, I was more than double most of them, you know, at, at, that, at that point. But it, it, in, that, in that moment, I was like, man, it's because they did it and, and they did so long. Yeah, yeah, for so long. And I'm, I'm in B team and I want to be an A team. Um, and I was I was frustrated with it, but again, just focused on what I was doing and trying to just get good at it and get good and get good and was obsessed with the gym, obsessed with it. Uh, and then I took my first competition in powerlifting my freshman year of high school and didn't really know what I was doing. The I didn't really know what powerlifting was. I just knew that it was like the squat, the bench, the deadlift. Those guys were in the gym. They were lifting heavy weights. I was already in the gym. I wanted to lift heavy weights. This is great, perfect. Um, so I think they gave me some equipment. I went to my first meet, and I think I placed like eighth. In your first meet. My first meet, which I I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's just it is what it is, man. I placed eighth, and I was like, oh well, that was like it was fun. I I loved getting up on Saturday mornings. Getting to the gym, getting to to the bus early at six o'clock in the morning or whatever it may have been. Getting to the meet, like getting dressed up for, getting in a tracksuit, like the atmosphere. I love that to this day. I love that. It's the the entire preparation the night before, getting ready, getting my bag ready. Um, there it's something that's just so calming, so like. It, it gets you in the moment. Like you have to be in the moment. There's not another option. It's kind of like this. Like you have to be here listening and in the moment if you want to have the conversation, right? Like you can look back and reflect on experiences and communicate those experiences, but you have to be there. Yeah. And which is also why I wanted to start a podcast. Um, it's and so took my first meet then, and um, my sophomore year of high school I had two surgeries I tore my labrum in my left shoulder and I tore my meniscus and a partial tear in my ACL in my right knee and uh, I attributed it to football I continued to kind of put off the injury from my shoulder for a long time mm. uh, it was like it was hurting but then I was like man you know like it'll be fine and so months went by and finally realized that my my the the head of the humerus had been sitting out of the socket um, and tearing away at the labrum, so I had a lot of damage around that area. And so now I have metal in that in, in that shoulder that keeps it closed and, and all that fun stuff. And so it was pretty gnarly surgery. Sophomore? Year? My sophomore year. It's pretty early to get cut. I had a surgery with my sophomore year. Yeah? What'd you get? I don't know the name of the bone, but it's a bone on my foot. 
on the bottom left hand side of it, like Oh the the medial arch, the pinky side? Yeah, but not like on the toe part, like it's on the actual like uh, like under your ankle. Under uh, my ankle. Like out here? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, the medial arch. Okay. I don't know what bone it would be called, but that that's what that is, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I think it just I thought about it recently and I think it was just like all the impact like for example around that time I was doing a lot of uh, like indoor soccer so you're not playing on grass you're like, sometimes literally just like concrete or just uh, wood floors and stuff Damn. like that I think it went back to that 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 it caused that but did you break it mm -hmm. yeah it was broke and I played on it for probably three four weeks and it was, I remember going to the doctor and they're like, hey, well, what's going on? I'm like, oh, well, I have a lot of pain here, blah, 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 blah. They're like, well, let's check it out. For sure it's not broken. You're walking. You've been playing. Sure. Well, all right. Comes back with the x-ray. Hey, uh, no, yeah, it's, it's broken. It's broken. You're like. Your whole life just like shrink, but yeah, uh, and it's just sophomore it's, big surgery. It, it's crazy what it like that that the idea of what that surgery feels like. It feels like a it can feel like a hurdle. I don't know for whatever reason. I was a freshman. I'm so sorry. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but also I was a freshman. Still, I mean, early on in, in an athlete's life to get cut or to have an injury like that, like it's. It changes the way that you move on the field a little bit. I mm -hmm. I I think the way that like I, I protected my knee was a little bit different, and it's part of the motivation that I that I left the sport. It was like okay, ever, and mine may have been junior year. No, it was sophomore because I competed junior. Um, I, I I was I was like I don't know if the, the, the football is worth it. If this is if I'm already here this early on. And I want to continue to play more. I'm not even starting. I'm not like I don't even think I was very good. Right. I love being there. I love the atmosphere. I love being um, like the um, on the practice field and hanging out with the guys and shooting the shit and hanging out. I love that. But I wasn't getting any playing time. So what am I? What am I doing here? Yeah. And I was like, well, I love this thing, and let's let's see where it goes. Let's try it out. And so. Competed again my junior year, the year after my surgery, and I got second at state. And I was like, okay, cool. And I got, nice. yeah, it was kind of cool. And I got second to the guy that ended up coming here um, and competing for AM and winning nationals. I think we won it one year or something like that. Um, so That's outrageous. I, I was like, all right, like we can get we can get second my first year back, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the following year and i was yeah so then the following year i competed my senior year and won first place by like 400 pounds oh my god i absolutely fucking killed it and i that year i, I wanted to i wanted to do this more i wanted to do it after high school like it can't be the end so and i ended up 
breaking that guy's record, which made me really excited because <laughs> that day when I won second, I was like, hey, man, congratulations. I don't shake his hand. He just looked at me and just walked off. I'm like, okay, all right, fine. That's cool, man. Came back next year, broke his record by like 100 something pounds. Right. You're like, let me go look for him. Yeah, 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 right? Yeah, he did that. He was one year older than me, too. So he was a senior and I was a junior. Um, so yeah, he had, he already been, he had already been out. Um, and then, so I found, uh, this guy, Preston Turner, who was at, uh, UT and he, I, re I reached out cause I wanted to go to UT, um, before, before I applied to a and mm -hmm. and, uh, my brother ended up going, which is why I, I didn't want to go anymore, but, um, I reached out to him and I wanted to be on the team. How do I do it? What are the next steps? Does it continue? What does it look like? Just kind of asking questions. And he guided me and said, hey, go compete for USAPL. Uh, if you compete there, then you can qualify for the national team. Then you can compete for Team USA and go to Worlds. And I was like, what the fuck? I can go to Worlds doing this thing? I can compete for Team USA? Like, yeah. that's a dream, you know? And so um, that year that that it was like a month later I, I competed at at state and won a month later i went and competed at nationals and or like maybe even a couple of weeks later i went to compete at nationals in uh, philadelphia and it was my first like time traveling got sponsors i got like it all paid for they paid for stay they paid for food everything was covered that's pretty sick insane and I got to the meet. I was given a coach, a Team USA coach, who like helped me with all my warm ups. And like, I had no idea what I was doing. No idea. Like the first meet I did with USAPL, um, I didn't. I would look like a, an idiot. No shirt. And so you're supposed to wear a shirt when you squat. I went up there with no shirt, and they're like, "Hey, um, you need a shirt, and you need this, and you need." And I was like, "Oh man, like I look like that guy." Um, but I had like I, I just I was excited to be there and not, like to do it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, Except I figure you like in jean shorts and like air force. Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much like the, the worst shoes, like it just, but it's, it's what we had and what we thought was like good, right? Yeah. It's what we, that, that's all we knew, right? Yeah. And my, my dad didn't know much about it, but he was like, they're very, very supportive of it. Right. Um, found a coach in, uh, Edinburgh, which is like. 15, 20 minutes away, and he would drive me like two times a week to go train with this guy, um, and on like a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever. And like the fact that he was willing to do that and take time out of his day to just go and just sit there and watch me train. And the coach did it for free and had never paid a monthly membership. He he had been like world record setting. He had met most people compete at worlds, and he was like, oh, do free. The Jacksons, yeah. yeah, the Jacksons, the Rat Pack. That's where it started. The Rat Pack. Okay. That's what they called themselves. So I would go compete with them, and I think my junior or my junior senior year, I went to go compete uh, at the World Association of Benchers and Deadlifters in Wobble, and I ended up setting a world record and my first meet with them, at, and that was cool. Um, so I've set I think like two or three world records, and I think they still stand today. Um, no so, shit. Yeah. What like deadlift, and I don't remember the amount. But probably like at is, the time, probably a lot, but I don't remember. Is that based on like age or weight or both age and weight? So it was age category of like 
16 to 7, or however old I was, 16, 17, and then yeah. the weight class, I think I competed as a 183, and I deadlifted right about 600. Um, so I was, I was deadlifting quite a bit, um, and it was hyped, dude. Like, everybody's just, it, it was in, it was just insane, the energy. What, what's this in? Like, a gym? Uh... This one was, it was the venue I don't have the best memory of. I just like is there a lot of people there was in my mind it was like an insane number of people but it surrounded. was surrounded surrounded and it was a fairly like it, i think if i remember correctly it was probably a pretty small venue and so but so then everyone was packed in there but it the music's up everyone's up and yelling oh, and cheering God. you on and I, I just had to it was like this moment of like even though there was so much going on it was like hey just do what you gotta do. It was like a calm, here we go. And then like energy fucking flips and you get to the bar and you just fucking, like you just give it all you got, you know? And and it just, it didn't even, it wasn't hard. Like I remember it wasn't a difficult move. Like usually it, it uh, a world record is a pretty hard, it, it moved really well. Yeah. And I was like, huh, okay, well, like that's cool. Um, and then new world record, it was crazy, Oh my God. crazy. Um, nice. so, uh, that was, yeah, that was cool. Um, and then, uh, so then Preston kind of helped me, gu guide me along and kind of taught me. And then, uh, my, my first meet was USAPL and then I competed uh, at nationals a month after winning state. And then I, um, went to nationals and I won, I got first place at nationals and I qualified for team USA and Three months later, I was in August, at the end of August, mm -hmm. um, when I was transitioning to Texas A&M, uh, I got to say A&M, yeah. um, I had the decision, do I go to Worlds or do I go to Fish Camp? And it seems like a, an easy answer. But at the time, Fish Camp was everything they talked about. Like, that was the thing to do. Dude, I'm a local, so... Yes, I know exactly what you mean. It's huge. And I felt like I'm going to be so disconnected from the community and not know anything. And sure enough, like I would go to the football games. I didn't know any of the yells. I didn't know any of the lore. I didn't know any. I didn't know any of it. And I think like my priority at that time was this thing. And I think it taught me that like you're going to have to make sacrifices. And, and I, I, I missed out on a lot of things, but I had a lot of success. And I think that success can be lonely at times and and it's it's very it's it's there's not very many people that nobody really cares i, I don't get to, i don't talk about this to anybody like nobody listens to this like how many people are really even here you know nobody like cares. nobody really cares it's crazy and but it's i remember i, I the last time i won worlds i i competed in 2017 was my last time competing what I, year again 2017 was okay. my last oh my last world meet mm -hmm. And I I was turning twenty one, and I got some gold medals. I got second place overall, and I finished the meet. They gave me my award. They gave me my medals. I went to the bar. On my birthday, I competed. I was I was turning twenty one that day. Yeah. Went to the bar. Got myself an old fashioned. We did an ID alone at the bar. Literally nobody there at the bar. Yeah. And I was like, cool. Congrats. And that was it. It was crazy. It was like, 
it was it was a very like a, a, a high oh achievement, God. but also very oddly alone. It was it was weird. It was wild, but it, a great a great time and a great memory. Um, and so my first world was in Hungary, and so a couple months after winning nationals, uh, I ended up. Um, getting ready they sent me training i had to, had a full coach a full team that was helping me out and um then i'm in another country competing for worlds damn in hungary in hungary my first international meet i did three total where is hungary hungary is in europe um it's where exactly i couldn't tell you no but like just like what's a country nearby or something? Um, I don't know. Uh, right. Maybe like, I think my my. Because I think of Europe, like you know, like the main England, Spain, Germany. Closer Italy. to Germ- uh, closer to Germany area. Okay. Like there, between Poland or something. Somewhere, somewhere around there. I hear you. Um, and my uncle had. He he remembers the story differently, but I remember very vividly mm-hmm. where he was telling me to get out of sports. It's like you don't want to do sports. It's not for you. You're not built for it. Like I, I was young, maybe sixth, seventh grade. He's like you're just it's not for you. Like you, he broke his arm. He was like a star uh, receiver in in, in uh, high school and yeah. broke his arm and then got out of sports and he was done. And he became a physical therapist and so he saw that side of it. And so he was like, and so you didn't wait for that. And so he was like, get out. It's not good. Just Don't focus on school. Back. Exactly. That's what he was seeing, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, and he had said like the, the, you never know like how your tendon attaches to your bone is going to change the amount of weight you can lift. And it's just not for you. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And then that first world meet, he flew out to go see me compete. And it was a little bit of a, you know, like, I did it. I did it. Like, I'm here. You said I couldn't. I'm here. It's also, like, pretty badass of him of, like, okay, yeah, let's go. Yeah, eat my words. All right, I'll show up. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. That's my relationship with sports. What is what is what your is, oh. sorry, just to close it there. Yep. Was that the one no the national one was the second place, right? Nationals. I won nationals. The, the last one you were saying that you had that old fashioned right after? Uh, that was worlds. That was worlds. Mm-hmm. That was over there. That one was in Florida. So worlds changes every 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 year, and then you have world games which is every four years. Um so the world competition um that year was in Florida. Nice. Okay. Dude, yeah, whenever you said that, I was like, a badass ending to, to like, a movie. And it's like, I did it. And life keeps on. Life keeps on. Yeah. And it, it led me down a beautiful, like, I would have, when he said, like, that, that difference in where the tendon lies, it gave me this interest in genetics and physiology. And then right before I, when I got, ex- before I got accepted at AM, I found a genetic researcher at AM, mm-hmm. um, who's the gentleman I was talking about earlier. And he was like, Hey, I have this interest of why bodybuilders are bodybuilders, powerlifters, powerlifters, what makes an athlete, you know, my uncle told me about, um, the difference of, of a tendon changing, how much 
you know, you can lift, which is technically it's a panation angle and it changes the way you, you can, uh, the amount of uh, tension inside that, that joint that you can create. Um, and he was like, sounds great. Would love to have you uh, come visit whenever you get to uh, College Station. Just go and shoot me an email. I followed through. When I got here, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm in town. Can we schedule a time? And met up with him. And I think all of that just because of sport. Like, it, yeah. like it is an ending to it. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about competing again. Um, I don't, it, at that moment, it was definitely like, damn. You did it, and it's led me here. That's cool. I also admire your approach to reaching out to people, like not just that one person, but I'm sure there's like a lot of things throughout your uh, weightlifting. Yeah, of like, hey, you know, where can I train? What can I do? That I believe with me was kind of like something that like suppressed the future of like what I was doing. Because in my mind, it was like, no, just go practice, go play, and things are going to solve themselves. And it was like the total opposite of that. You know, I needed to find somebody. I'd, I'll get into it right now, but just to, I guess, kind of get to the point where I'm, what I'm trying to say is that there's a point where I believe I was kind of starting to compete at a higher level. But I didn't even know like the structure of like the league and stuff that I was even that I was already in, which was, you know, from what I know now, like it was pretty good uh, league and, and competition level that I was at. But it was that like, you know, I my future stopped with a certain team. So I was like, OK, I guess that's it. Like, I don't know where else to go. But I, that's all I told myself. I don't know where else to go. I, I, I was in high school. Like, I had the internet. I had my phone. It was, you know, a matter of research and Google and sending out emails. I would never, that never crossed my mind at that age, which, you know, you're a pretty old teenage. Like, you, you ought to know stuff like that. You ought to do stuff like that. But it kind of put just like that emergency stop to what I was doing again just because of that excuse of like all right well I don't know what else to do that's it but yeah so going back with me um I think with me it started off just the cultural uh, my part it's a, it's soccer uh it's just a culture around it growing up uh, I believe my I don't believe I know my dad has some sort of past with soccer as well, which is like just Sunday league type stuff, uh, playing for his school, like also doing some, having some sort of competition there. Um, but yeah, so it was there just growing up watching. There's a lot of watching soccer uh, at the house. Again, back with my dad, uh, I remember a little bit uh, but I remember going to some of his games, uh, seeing, you know, just his friends, uh, just being in that environment a little bit. So it was kind of like, okay, like, I want to do that. You know, just like every other human being, you want to do what you see. So, hey, like, I want to start playing. And, yeah, I remember uh, back in San Luis, 
I don't know. Actually, I'll take it back. My first team was in Houston. It was one of those deals that where I was telling you earlier of we would come over here and live. When I say over here, the U.S., we would come and, and live for months at times. So it was this co-ed team in Houston that apparently they just took. I don't remember playing with them. I just seen videos and pictures and whatnot. So that's where it's, that's where I started. I was three years old, and I was already kicking the ball around. Uh, and then in Mexico, the first, like, team that I remember, or I'll take it back, just street-wise, you, like that little video or picture you see, like, on movies of, like, kids playing in the street. Like, that's how it started with me. I did the same thing, but I did, I, I, when I was football, I played with the neighbors and we play in the gravel, like, car, yeah. yo, you know, yeah. I, oh, my God, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, like, you use shoes, your somebody's shirt to, like, put the goals, all that stuff, for sure. Oh, yeah. And it was, to me, that childhood was amazing, dude. Like, the kind of freedom that I had when I was a kid now that I think of it, even with my kids, like, I was so lucky, or blessed, I think I like to use the word blessed more than lucky, but, um, it was so cool, because, like, I was out 10 at night, like, I'm not exaggerating, like, like, 10 was my curfew, at four, five, six, seven year old kid, like, that was my curfew, late like, curfew. there's no parents around, oh, well, Technically, they're around because we're like around the block and whatnot. It's not like we could go to like different parts of the city or anything like that. But you're like you're on your own. Like you're legit on your own. Uh, but anyway, so you know, it was that street soccer. That's kind of where it started. Uh, then they put me like on an actual like team. Must have been like six or seven. Started traveling a little bit. Uh, going to same thing other competitions i wasn't i don't think i was growing up i wasn't that good at soccer like i was a little chunky i don't recall like people telling me like you know oh you're you're pretty good like i really don't like i don't think i was that good growing up but i guess i just i loved it enough to like keep going keep going keep going uh, so it was that came over here to the U.S. and I did not play in Houston. There was like a two-year stretch that I didn't play, and I was getting, I wasn't, I wouldn't consider myself that, but I was not in a great shape, like to be running around and stuff like that. But then we came here to like Brian at that time, where we moved from Houston back to Brian because of my dad finding a job. And that same person that hired my dad, he showed him and his wife, and now they have kids, they showed like so much interest and helped us out tremendously. Like to this day, like I feel like, you know, their support for our family has a lot to do with like where I'm at like, to today because of them. Anyways, they, I remember, I don't know if I like went to work with my dad or for some one reason or another, he was, he was, I was with them and the guy, his name is John. He's like, Hey, don't you like sports? He was reading the Eagle. And I'm like, 
Yeah. He's like, don't you play soccer? Yeah. He's like, well, I can. Because uh, I would play just like little pickup games or stuff just from my school. And he's like, hey, well, there's this team right here. And, you know, if you want to play, we can look into it. And I was like, hell yeah. Like, we can go right now and sign me up. Like, that's. And at that time, it was like the only club in town, even to today. I think there's only one, but it's not them. Back then, they they used to be called Magic, and it was like the only little club team in, in in town. And yeah, he so he took me. I still remember. I think one of the first tryouts was in the park that's not far away from here, and um, I just showed up and. Hardly knew English. It was like around that time where I started speaking, but I was just like super quiet. Like I wouldn't say anything, mainly because probably I was just embarrassed to like speak the little bit of English that I knew. But yeah, I I I went. They had two teams, so I started playing with their B team, and I just kept going from there. Same thing. Like we we had. I could definitely tell by this time that. I was in a, like, my family was one of the, ah, how do I say this? We're one of the families without money, like, a lot of money. And I meant a lot because at that time we had, like, I don't want to say no money because my parents were working, but, I, you know, you can see other kids have nice cleats, uh, the cars that their parents were picking them up in. I was like, Holy shit, like, how did I get here? But it was all because of this guy, John. He's, he paid for my monthly, uh, whatever, fees and stuff. Wow. And I, at that time, like, I didn't know. I thought he just told me, yeah, let's play. But now I know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I went from there. Um, there's a lot of kids that did not look like me. So, basically, I was, like, one of the few, I think there was like two or three Hispanic kids in that team, and everybody else was a white person, um, Caucasian, whatever. Um, but it was cool because, again, like that was at that time where I was battling like those emotions of just being living in Mexico, now being over here, like all that stuff that we kind of said earlier. Uh, but it was cool because it opened up my eyes to like, dude relax they're just other kids that are also just trying to play have fun uh this guy john he's white and he's helping us out more than anybody else like that's where like my my broad view of ethnicity was like nah like i know what it is like white people are some of the people that helped me out the most when we had the late the least here so anyways Started playing, kept playing. Uh, again, I was like, I was on the B team and just kept going at it. I remember a lot. The the one good thing that was talked about with me was that I had like a pretty good hard shot. Like that was always the thing with me. Even whenever I couldn't run a lot, like I could shoot like pretty far and and hard. Um, so I always played up in the like midfield or forward forward position, and it just kept going from there. Started actually going to practice twice a week, and started getting a little better. Uh, 
I would say with me was that I did learn a lot. Like it wasn't like just natural like uh, skills. It was a lot of things that I picked up and getting a little bit back in shape that kind of helped me now start being better. I must have been like, I don't know, middle school when, yeah, I could tell like everywhere I went locally, like I was a little bit above average from the people, the kids around me. Like this was a time when people started like pointing you out as, oh yeah, you're the guy that plays soccer. Oh yeah, you're like, it, it felt good. Like, you know, like you don't know people and then they'll tell you like, People from other schools, like kids from other schools, they're like, oh, you're, you're Alex. You're like, holy shit. Okay, cool. At a local level. Um, and then just kept going from there. Uh, again, you know, it was one of those things that I was playing for this club. Um, they had some very good outreach, but then they, I don't know why, uh, but they, they just stopped. Like they, the club just kind of went away per se so again me not reaching out me thinking well all right well they're no longer here okay i'll just i'll stop playing i'm going to go back to high school uh or just school soccer and just do that so i was still pretty good kept in shape and I think I was in high school again, back to that freshman year. In freshman year, I was practicing. I started practicing with the varsity team. And it was like very unusual. There, It was me and another guy my age. is one of my closest friends. Uh, I do recall that. It was him and, and myself. His name, unfortunately, was Fagan. Uh, we were pretty much like you know, top notch, and I would say, like, in our grade, for sure, in the city, like, it was, like, him and I, we were the ones to be known, and it was really cool, because, again, I was freshman year, but I was still, like, very, very focused on soccer, like, I paid a lot of attention to school, and I did good in school, but I didn't enjoy it, where over here, I paid a lot of attention, I did really good, and I freaking loved it, like, every time whether it was practice games like i was in tune i was that kid that wouldn't go out i was that kid that didn't have a lot of friend relationship like outside of school because all my time was dedicated to soccer and i did that not like even not not really knowing it not not really putting it into the perspective of my life i just did it because i enjoyed it uh, so it got me to that point again freshman year they were looking at me to play in varsity and that surgery I was just also talking about not long ago that's when that happened and I played I remember it was the first game of the season varsity team and I was the only freshman playing in that in that um, in that game and to me it was cool not only because like it was unusual, but because I know the injury that I had been dealing with the past month, and I was still, like, looked at to play for that game. Like, nobody really understands. Nobody cares. 
nobody cares, you know, going back to what you're saying. But what you're doing in your mind and, and, and in your view, it's it's huge. So that was kind of, I would say, like a highlight. Even though I know high school soccer is not like that competitive, I really do understand that. But the background of, like, what I was going through, it was like, holy shit, like, again, like, I have a future here. So, uh, played my first game. I ended up, like, I had to sub out. I was like, I literally just couldn't run. Like, I just could not run. Foot's broken. <laughs> yeah, I was running on my, or attempting to run on my tiptoe of my left foot because it was just that bad. Um, but, yeah, so told the coach, hey, you know, something's definitely wrong. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll go to the doctor and I'll come back. He's like, all right, you know, like, just let me know. So, yeah, broken foot. I'm out the whole, most of that season. Like two months later, I came back, but went through the whole process wearing a boot and all that stuff. But yeah, I came back. Uh, I caught like the last I don't know four or five games. Now back on JV because well, I just came back from a broken foot, but played a little bit, and then I bumped into or not bumped into. I was a friend of mine from that older team reached out to me. Uh, his name is Scott. Uh, and he was playing in Houston at, with a pretty good uh, team. They they would be called academy teams. Um, so he reached out and he's like, hey, I'm playing with this team. And it, it was pretty cool. It was like they're traveling to play. Like there would be times where they're literally like maybe every other weekend on planes to ride like to different states for competitions or for some other games. It was like a uh, a Texas league league, but it was like their their tournaments were like like scout level tournaments. Like, hey, we're gonna go to this whatever tournament in Florida and Arizona, and that's that's really the ones you want to be at because you have all these college scouts going out there. So again, I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll play. Why? Because that was the person that reached out to me. Like, I I'll. My view of the world of the competition is it's right here. Like looking down, put me in the grass, give me a soccer ball, I'll go at it. <clears throat> so that kind of opened up my eyes to another level. Where at first I was even a little intimidated because you know you go from the star of your high school team to hey no now you're like top of the players in in your and your age, but at a state level. So I'm like, okay, you know, kind of realize like, hey, this, you're you're not where you think you are. But it's good because now you're seeing other top-notch players and you're learning. You're like, holy shit, like this is another level. And yeah, dude, I picked up a lot. Like, uh, again, I was already playing pretty good, but it went even to a higher level. That was my sophomore. I would say that was probably like, the peak of my little soccer performance uh, career. And yeah, at that time, I would be back over here, still playing, you know, with the people around here, town local. And like, I could, I could hear it, like literally from the players around me, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, how, how are you? It's like, just seeing new things, man. So yeah, I kept going. It was one of those, 
Tuesday, Thursdays, driving to Houston for practice and getting back. And again, at that time, like that, this guy Scott and his parents, another family that you know, forever be grateful for. They were taking me to his practice. Like it was, they would go to my school to pick me up from my school, so that I could ride with them back to Houston, just because my parents financially would be nowhere near to be able to do something like that. So, yeah, I started. They, I was fortunately they took me in the team. Uh, I guess I had enough talent to be in the team, and for sure, I was one of the younger guys. So, like the next year was really like where I was gonna start getting more playing time and stuff like that. Um, and I got to that year. Well, the guy that the the friend of mine, Scott, that was taking me over there, he was a year older. So he had graduated. So it was all on my own now. And again, I was a kid that didn't really know how to use resources. So they started, the, the team started telling me, hey, you're also going to have to pay for this and this and this. And now I'm like, well, I have to pay to play. I don't have a ride to go to Houston twice a week. And I definitely cannot afford the trips to wherever they were going to get, you know, like the nice competitions. All right. Well, hey, I can't play anymore. We'll see y'all later. They're like, what? Like, yeah, like, I, I can't do it. I was just frustrated. Try to talk to me. Like, I'm, I'm done. Like, thank you. I, I can't do it. I, I know I can't do it. And that was that. So I dropped that. Stayed over here and just stayed playing, but uh, nothing, you know, again, no high school is not like that competitive, but I kept playing. Uh, it was, I think at that time, it was just a little, I was frustrated because nothing worked out. Now knowing like this, because also I didn't do much to kind of keep it going. But then I started playing, uh, got accepted also to A&M, which I did like half a semester of, uh, again, just because I was like, man, fuck life, like, I don't get to do what I want, like, I don't care. But yeah, I even played with them a little bit, they have a little, it's not part of the school system, but they have like the club soccer, I went over there to play with them, also I uh, had some good times with them. Uh, later on, there was this other team that came to town. I must have been like 19, 20. I was still playing quite a bit. They were like, hey, you know, they start. It was something rather nice. They start to do like a, they called it semi-pro league. Technically, it was a semi-pro. Uh, but just in our area, it wasn't that competitive. Uh, but I played with them. Uh, also was doing pretty good, you know, just started with them, uh, scored, like, top score for the team, et cetera, et cetera. But I knew, like, that's that, that was about as, as much as it was going to get. But, uh, yeah, no, I just always kept playing. Always kept playing till today. I still play, whether it's Sunday League. Uh, just a fact to me. It's like that high that you get when you're on the pitch. 
the fact that you know this is this is it. this is like a stress reliever to me. It's that's what sports. That's the way it has helped me. Uh, also, I would say growing up playing in it kept me out of a lot of trouble. Kept me out of a lot of trouble, like just. Um, I had good friends and everything. It wasn't like, you know, they were necessarily like bad kids, but the things that they were doing was not the things that you would want to be doing at that time. So again, earlier I was saying it just kept me from like hanging out with them in a good way. Like I would, I saw them at school. Sometimes, yeah, of course we hung out, but a lot of the times it was just like, Oh, like when you got practice, I wasn't drinking, and but then all that changed. As soon as I stopped playing, started drinking. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of my my thing with sports, and I still do it now. Uh, I, I always tell people, I think you know I'm gonna keep playing till my legs fall off, because it just it just helps me like. Physically, for sure, but more mentally than anything else. It's like, yeah, you forget about the world, you just start playing. Whether you score, you don't score, like, just a feel from it. And it feels good. Do you want to compete again? No, um, not like that, but I do want to get. I want to compete with myself again. I want to compete with myself again. And what I mean by that is, hey, get back in shape. And wherever it is that you're playing, like show yourself that you can still be better than every single player on that pitch. Again, you know, it's not gonna, they're not going to be that competitive. competitive uh, when you think of it in broad in the broad spectrum, but like wherever I go at those local levels, I think I can be. I know I can be better than whoever's out there. But again, it was nice at the whenever I was playing again, like at the peak of. Um, it was nice because you were playing against players that later on like you know made it pretty far like they weren't superstars but they made it to the pro level and you're like shit you know like i was right there with those people and i know they weren't better than me i'm not saying that i was better than them then but i knew that if i kept you know with the right path i definitely could have been there um, but yeah, it was that. And that's another big thing I think happens even today where the structure of the soccer that I've seen does not help a lot of uh, kids because of, you know, their background. And I don't mean just like Mexican kids or whatever, like like financially where you're at is like kind of where you can make it to unless you're like the next you know protege or whatever then yeah for sure you probably have a better chance but 
at that level, you realize and you see a lot of kids with a lot of talent that just don't make it. And yeah, of course, a lot of it also has to do with how much they, they, their consistency, you know, their maturity and all that. Yes, that has some to do with it. But then there's those other kids that know, like, they were going hard. Like, they were doing everything that they could. But because of the structure of, of the game, of the sport, of the programs around here, they didn't make it just because because of that. I think that there's definitely, I think, I mean, I think it shows that like goal setting is important, but I also think that that you are right that there are times where the environment isn't necessarily conducive to everybody's success, um, and I think that's good and bad. I think it's good um, because it does weed out those who aren't gonna be able to make it, but it also doesn't give the opportunity to those that may have they could have gotten that right if if I didn't have the gym right next to our house or attached to the house would I have been as good would I have been as successful would I have been as comfortable I don't don't know right probably not maybe maybe not right Mm -hmm. Um, but there was opportunity there for me to to grow and learn and to get out and to it was my my safe place to go we, it was a it was a luxury um but then when there are when there are things that, are, that that get in the way instead of just saying Ooh, well i guess that's it there was I, I had those as well where i was like i'm gonna figure it out like yeah i don't know i don't know how i'm gonna i, I don't i I cannot afford to go to Hungary. Yeah. Cannot. But how does this work? I, I think ultimately it's it's how can we educate people and to tell them, hey, this is this is what I wish I would have done, or this is how I did it. And I think people want to sometimes keep that to themselves. But like, I went and I went to businesses. There were local businesses. Like walking in, hey, my name is Ben. Created flyers, and I am interested in trying to. I don't have enough. I'm looking for. This is my GoFundMe. I'm looking for funds to go to this place. Yeah. If you'd like to donate, then awesome. If you can't, then that's okay. I appreciate it. And then those that would, then I would get them a little, um, a little poster, and then they put it inside inside their thing. And people give me fifty bucks, hundred bucks, three hundred bucks. And it added up to the point where I can afford to go, but it was like I'm not. It's not an option. It's it, it's like I didn't. It wasn't another. Well, you you told me no, but why? Like See, it, it doesn't end there. I wish. Yeah, definitely. I wish I would have had something like that. And I did have it at times. Right now, you say that. I recall um, probably one of the biggest tournaments that I went to. It was that. Hey, I can't. I can't go. Cannot like literally afford to go. Like I can't pay for airplane tickets for myself at that. Plus everything else and food and this. But something that time took me to what you're saying. 
So, hey, coach, what can I do? What can I do where it's going to be able for me? Oh, I'm not sure, Alex. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. Maybe you can work some tournaments for us. Like, because they would host also tournaments. Yeah. What up? Tell me where and when I need to know. Well, it's going to be a two-day tournament. I don't care. What am I going to have to do? Like, So, yeah, I remember going to some of the tournaments, helping out, doing everything behind the tournament, whether it was setting up fields, everything, everything, everything. And that was part of one of the ways that I got one of those trips paid for. And it was because of that. It's in here. I asked. Hey, what can I do that's gonna get me there? Where all just about all the other times it was like, hey, um, so you're gonna have to, you you're gonna have to do this and that so you can keep playing. I can't do that. I'll see y'all later. So yeah, definitely now because I help train a little bit, I help coach a little bit, and of course a little like my son and my daughter. That is one of the biggest things that I hope I pass along to them. Not even like, well, yeah, you know, I'm going to teach them all the, the skill sets that I know and everything. But more over that is like the consistency, the discipline behind that I always knew it. Like, you know, of course, coaches told me about it. Of course, I knew like, hey. You know, you need to have this discipline, but it never, like, grasped on the way it was supposed to have. And now, a little bit too late, but now that I understand it, it's like, I hope I can teach that, not just to my son and daughter, but all the other kids that I run, uh, that I, you know, just happen to affiliate with because of the soccer team or the next soccer team, if I keep being involved. But it's that, and, and that is one of the biggest things with them um, that I try to do. Right now, again, I'm just kind of an assistant coach, if you will. But a lot of the times with me being out there in those practice fields, and I'm talking about like six, seven, eight-year-olds, like they're little. But, and I have coached some other age groups, like 14, 15, uh, 12 years old. And, and uh, sorry, just the point I was trying to get to was I think the biggest asset that I can bring to them is like all the advices that I can give to them. Like everything that sometimes was told to me, but a lot of the times I just didn't grasp onto the idea. I try to make them understand those things, you know, cause yeah, even now I see it. Like I, I see kids that are, that have at that age way more talent than I had at that age. So it's like, it's not the talent that right now you need to like fully focus on. Again, of course, yes, that's a big, huge part of it. But it's like, like, hey, who are your parents? Oh, this, okay. And then talk to the parents. Hey, like, you need to start looking at this. You need to start looking at that. Because I, I, there's one kid that comes in mind Fortunately, I don't know. I don't know his name. It's probably better not say his name. But man, is he talented! Like he's young. He's probably like eight, nine years old. And the touch that he has, 
it's like it, people don't teach you that you don't you don't learn that from being coached you it's one of those natural things that you're just born with but he's a kid that makes up excuses to run that they are running and he's at the very back that you tell him not to do one thing and that's exactly what he's doing and you know you at first kind of pull on your hair like no no don't let that happen to you and then it's like wait a minute hey try to talk to the kid try to talk to the kid and i've seen differences with some kids that i start telling them things like that of course at first some of them are either too young to also understand and others are just like all right sure whatever dude i think the influence that you can have on a kid if you just talk to them a little bit is like is, is profound mm-hmm. i mean the amount of times while coaching at at, at the last place the kiddos it was like hey there's no benefit to me yelling like, this isn't fun for me to see you suck i want you to be better yes and this is sure. how to do it if you don't want to then okay like that accept that fact mm-hmm. but just be brutally honest and just this is what it is do you yeah. want it or not no yeah. okay well then you're gonna stay where you're at do you want to get better well then that's how you do it and it's okay if you don't want to if you don't like this you don't have to do it that's okay but if you want it and you're mad about not doing better but you're not doing the things i've been telling you then I just yeah I just had that conversation with with my son. Um, to be fair, I was a little unfair with him because he he was actually hurt, but I thought he was just making something up to not go to practice. Um, and I told him, I was like, hey, like let me know right now. I, you're not playing soccer because I want you to play. Like I really make him understand that. Like. I, I want you to play a different sport. I I I want you to play something different. I wish I could have played every single sport out there so that I could experience it. Uh, but don't give me excuses or don't try to make things up if you're not gonna, you know, if you don't like it because you're having to run all the time. I understand. <laughs> I know it's it, it can be not fun a lot of the times and I'm 100% okay with it but just tell me now because I don't want to just commit all my time if you're not going to enjoy it so again I was a little unfair because he started crying he's like no dad I really am hurt alright look I'm sorry dude but yeah I've had to like also tell kids that um, and, and that first, it kind of like, you think like, nah, they didn't really catch that. But then weeks go by and you're like, okay, that made a difference. Like I can see it even in the way they talk to you, the way they look at you, the, their feedback is like a little bit more respectful and you're like, yeah, nice. That's pretty cool. So yeah, now with me, where I'm at is keep playing because I don't think I ever will stop and see what I can kind of, you know, teach or coach to, again, whether it's my kids or somebody else. I think that it's, 
know, we, we have consistencies in our life and, and music knows that it was, it was too late for, for that. And I think that like, if we look at it as a concept and, and how we can, we can learn from that experience and then take it to move forward. It's, there is, you, you saw that there was a, if you looked for, if you asked how, if you asked why and what, and those, there, and if you understand that people are, the people around you are usually pretty good, and if they're not, then they're not gonna help you, right? But you asked me, I don't know if you asked Scott or the other gentleman, but they just did it, right? And they, yeah, I did not ask. And you have people that are that way, and you have other people that need to be asked, right? Everyone has a different communication style. Mm-hmm. Um, then you ask the coach, and it's like, hey, how do I do this? Uh, they can think. They can come up with it. And if they can't, then if they really want you to be there, and they really believe in you, then they're going to find somebody. They're gonna, they, I don't know, but assistant coach knows. Or I don't know, but I know the other team might know. Or he's connected over here. And it's just like, how... Can you keep that snowball going? You know, like For sure. it, it's. I don't think it's ever too late. Like it, it's. In, it, I think it's. It, it can be ingrained if you train it. Like if you. If you. It's. I think the same as anything in life. If you put good, honest, good time into something, then you're gonna get better at that thing. I think that there are some things that aren't as easy, as easily visible as uh, like the gym. I can see 100 pounds turns to 200. 200 times of the 300. Right, it's something you can measure. It's something you can easily measure. There's other things that are like speech that you can't like you can't really measure it and notice it until after the fact, right? Mm-hmm. Like the way you speak to people, the way that you, you connect with people, you you don't really notice that until after the fact. And even then, I feel like other people are never going to notice that. They're just going to they're they're just going to like, "Oh, he's easy to talk to." It's like you have no idea what it took for me to get here, right? It, it's like that you put time and effort into that thing to get better at it. But at the same time, if, if you would have never done it, then you would have never had that success. But then you, you were able to see where you did and you saw success and where you could have and didn't, and then it didn't continue to go further, right? And I think we all have those things in our lives and, and we all drop the balls on certain things. But, you know, you, you are currently in a position where you have the opportunity to to influence some kids' lives and I mean, it's a, a huge responsibility, you know, like the parents can trust you. Like they, they, they trust you to give their kids to you, you know, like, like here you go. Like you teach them what you talk to them. You're going to do all these things. Like when a coach gets down on a knee to tell a kid, Hey, I care about you and I want you to be better. Yeah. As a kid, I had a coach. Like you had Scott. Scott was a coach. He was another player. Okay. He was a player a year younger, a year older. Yeah, I missed that. Yeah, yeah, no, you're good. But I did have one of those coaches that it was when I first started playing here locally. The he saw something in me. You know, again, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't a bad player either. But I just didn't stand out. Like, oh my god, like this kid is amazing. No, it was that one coach. Couldn't really talk to him because I wasn't speaking a lot of English. But he said, no, come on. No, I'll give you time to play. No, like, he believed in me. So, it, I had also that. It's crazy. I think we all have those people in our lives. Like it, it's, it's, in, it's in business. It's in sport. It's in 
like whatever you decide to get into again not not all things are easily measurable i think that that some like like financially is, is easier to measure it's um the gym's easier to measure but there's these like like these artistic or, or these these character building items that we don't always have the opportunity to immediately view but the 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 things that we have learned that we can now teach to somebody and make their life 10 times better ju just by something you said or just by giving someone some care and some time that at, at, when they're that age and they don't have that person in their life it is insane the impact you can have on somebody i remember coaches i remember teachers i remember people that cared that, that said something to me that were willing to stand up and say hey no that's not the way we do things or you know like it's it's powerful it, it, it motivates me it, it pushes me to, to just like hear your story it's both motivating and frustrating like mm -hmm. i hear up like there was so much opportunity there that just wasn't like um taken advantage of and i think taking advantage of usually has a negative connotation but there was you're obviously you're you're gifted in in multiple ways you're gifted both mentally and and in, in a physical you're you're good at the thing and also you have the work ethic whenever you're there it's just getting there and so i think sometimes we have to look at our, our community and like who is around the community who are the people that are influencing the way that i think are these people also people who are go-getters that are out there that are pushing that are going to push boundaries or are they the people that are like eh, eh. right and so if you look back i don't know if you remember who was in your community when you asked that coach like how do i get there but if maybe if you were spending more time i think in the sport then those people were probably the people that were like, I'm going to figure this fuck out. And I think that's what's cool about sport. It's like, I think at the gym, you see people that pe people have a kind of, t have a perspective of uh, people in the gym that are like gym rats. They're not smart. They're not, they're, like, they're, they're just like, whatever. They're just big old beefy dudes and girls that are, they don't know shit. Mm -hmm. But you, uh, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, people that were like working for Apple and Google and, and scientists and like people who are, extremely smart that are in the gym taking care of their bodies and like also like you like some of the powerlifters and also some of the nicest people and they were gonna figure it the fuck out yeah that's who you got to surround yourself with you know like every like and i think it being very intentional and selective with the people you like invite into your home or invite into your space i think is 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 underrated um i think it's like oh we have to accept everybody and yeah you have and to a degree, I can I can appreciate someone from afar. I like them when they're over there. They're really good for somebody. But I can recognize that if I continue to hang around with them, I'm going to drink more. If I continue to be around them, then I'm going to work out more. If I continue to hang around with the business people that are that are getting shit done because they themselves are motivated and want to do something good for their lives, that's who I want to be around. For sure. A hundred percent. Yeah, and I think probably in one of our conversations before I've told you this, but it I kinda I guess kinda what it makes me think about it's how I used to hate when people would say, Who are you hanging around with? You know, there's a Spanish saying, Dime con quien andas y te diré quién eres. Tell me who you're around and I'll tell you who you are. And again, not that I had like friends that are like bad and like with me or anything, but they were just not doing the best things at that time. 
But with me, it was like, no, I'm hanging out with them, but it doesn't mean that I'm like them. Like, I refuse to, like, admit that. Um, and, yeah, a few years later, again, one of the best, some of the best friendships of my life. But it's, yeah, now I understand why I didn't keep going to school. Now I understand why I didn't keep finding different opportunities in, 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 in sports and soccer and academically and all this stuff because I really know that I had the potential up. It was just like, hey, what are we doing today? I don't know. Like, let's text this person to see where the next house party is at. Let's do this so let's see where we can go drink at. You know, we could figure out we were, I think I was like 17, and I started drinking a lot more than a 17-year-old should have. But that was an issue. Hey, you're 17. There's a million boundaries for you to not drink. But guess what? We're out here. Figuring it out. Having unlimited drinks with no money. Why? Because we figured it out because that's really what we wanted to do. And yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, I definitely try to. I was thinking about it the other day where I wanted to change the spark plugs in my truck. And I was like, man, I really don't want to pay somebody to do this because I've seen a friend of mine do it and it did not look that hard. What did I do? Figure it out. Hey, let me find first a YouTube video. Let me read up on some other information. Cause yeah, at first it looks simple, but then you start learning like, hey, no, it's the position of when the spark plugs are on your, in, in, in your truck. It's the size of the wrench that you need. It's the amount of pressure that you need for that thing to go in there. It's this other tool that it's a non-common tool. So where are you going to get it? But my mind was, I'm not paying somebody to do this for me. Guess what? It took me about three hours, but I did it. And when I was done, it was like, it was like so fulfilling. It just felt so good to be able to do it. And mainly because of that, once, you know, it's that mentality of once you put something on my mind, I'm like, I'm going to do it. I know I can do it. A friend of mine would always tell me, that he looks at people and he says, well, he's doing it. That means I can do it too. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, I can do that too. Just give me, let me find the right things and I'm gonna be doing that as well. So yeah, for sure. And keep going back to, to, hey, like you doing it. Let me watch, let me see, let me feel. Let me try it, see what I can do. You never know what it's going to turn into, man. Yeah. And then you said, too, like, you know, now people, like, these are kids. And, you know, they're there watching you. And they're okay with you coaching. And, and they come back for another season. And they come back for more practices. Like, that's telling you a lot. And it's funny right now. I was thinking just last night, like, literally last night, I was sitting down at the bar watching the fight with just funny because I was just going to go by myself. I walk around. Next thing you know, I know somebody at a table. Hey, you're by yourself. Just sit here. 
right, cool. Well, the people next to them, I also happen to know them. And after a while, I went over there and sat with them. They also have a kid that's around the age of my kid. They're like, hey, we came in to ask you, like, are you, do you play? Do you coach? I'm like, yeah, you know, I have my kid. Oh, my God. Dude, so please let us know. Like, we want to have our kid play soccer, too. Like, please, like this, this people, they, I'm cool with them. I knew them from high school. So they also kind of knew of me because of soccer in a way. So it's even that, like, paid off to, like, have just a random couple, like, random parents tell me, hey, take my kid and see if you can help him out with, you know, he wants to try out soccer. So it's cool. Like, they, you know, I've never met with them, like, me playing soccer, but they know enough about me where they're comfortable with their kid being coached by me. It's like, that's pretty cool. It's a big deal and it's a big, it's a big responsibility. Yeah. That's funny. That literally just last night that I had that conversation. No, it's, you know, I think it's both good again, good and bad. There's always good and bad in everything. I, I yeah. constantly look, I constantly say that and I constantly, it's, it's just always on my mind. There's, there's, it's, I think everything is sales. Every like you're always selling yourself. You're you're out there. You're you're like if you drink too much and they notice that, they're like, oh man, I don't know. Like or maybe there was another parent that's not okay with you drinking, and you're not gonna, you're not gonna make a hundred percent of the sales. You're not gonna sell every single person on every single item you have, right? Mm-hmm. You have a specific uh, skill set and a personality that's gonna fit specific people. Um, those people are gonna buy, but you want to make sure that uh, I I think you want to make sure you you cast. A pretty good and wide net, and if not, if it's very niche, then it's it's very it's like extremely expensive, right? Or, or if you're, it's very niche for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you better be very damn good at whatever you're doing. And I don't know. I don't want to do business with somebody who's a bad person, but maybe does good business. Like it's just, I don't know. I, it's not for me, but it could be for somebody else, right? Right. Um, but it everything. I think understanding that you have a a role. You you have a responsibility I think to if, if that is your goal I think then you have a responsibility to be the best that you can be in that space and I think that it's where where I think is sometimes the, the difference is and maybe also part of my addictive personality is I get to the point where it's I, I change the spark plug in three hours well I want to do it in two hours well I want to do it in one hour I want to get it like I want to and to the like it, it's not it's not just about the speed. I think speed is part of it. I want to be efficient, but I want to also do it so it's better than anybody else. You have the best customer experience. It's the whole package that yeah, I'm going to be more expensive. Yeah, I am. But you know what? You're going to have a water, a coke, you're going to sit down in a nice air conditioned spot. You're going to have the best experience that I can possibly provide and you're going to know that if you're kid your truck your whatever is in my space in in something that i am developing then they're getting the best quality product that they could possibly get and that it's 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 good because it's i think good for the, the the client and good for the community where i think it can be harmful is if there is no boundary it's like 
you're never gonna be. You never satisfied. You're never satisfied. It's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. And your perspective on me sitting at the bar at 21. My goal was to compete for Team USA. I'm here the third time competing for the team. And your perspective was, it was like the end of a movie. Like, your perspective was so much more beautiful than mine. Mine is like, wasn't enough. How, like, is that it? Is that it? Like, no, no, no. Gotta do it more. Gotta do it bigger. Gotta do it more. Because I think that I can, there's always better. There's always better. Because there is, Mm -hmm. right? And learning to be, happy and content with where you're at but also understanding that we got a road we're, we're headed down a road that I want to be proud of when I look back you know and, and influence people and make a difference and all those good things yeah for sure for sure yeah this last comment there I just kind of been holding it because you said like hey I saw the spark plug I wanted to do it in three hours and I wanted to do it in two but yeah, I see that vision because when I watched the video of how to do it, it was, hey, you have to take off a tire and the whatever structure part of round it is too, so that you can get to it. So I'll open up the hood of my truck. I look around. Nah, you don't have to do all that. You can do it from right here. And guess what? I did it. I didn't have to go the extra little steps that they put in there and it, it was done and it, it's a little bit of that like I'm not just watching to like redo it I'm watching to do it a little bit better so yeah going from there cool. yeah, yeah. I love it man well I think we're gonna we're gonna close it off usually from, from pretty much everybody yeah um you have final say. Last thing. Whatever you say, we're going to cut off at. So, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing this, but I like doing it for now. I'm copying it from somebody else. But whatever you want to leave your, your podcast with. I don't think this is the last thing that will be on. But one, the what, anything that you want to say. One word, one statement, one whatever. Your time. I just want to say thank you for adding more fuel to this fire that I want to keep going in my life. Thank you for listening to the Ben Navarro's podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes.